There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Yes. Yes. Welcome to the Tim McKernan Show. It is September 7th, 2021. We are in the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. My name is Timothy Michael McKernan. And sitting across from me is Action Jackson, Virgin Pringle Sauce Boss, a man whose stock is skyrocketing despite my endorsement. <laughs> Do you want my endorsement? I Yeah, I appreciate any endorsement I get. I'm just happy to be here. See, I really. wouldn't want certain endorsements. Like, I like the fact that I am on the other side of some of the most ne'er-do-well, ne'er-do-wells in the history of St. Louis sports radio, some of the biggest punchlines and or failures. I wouldn't want theirs. If I were running for office and Michelle Bachman's like, I think this guy's great, I'd go, fuck. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's what, I, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying to you. I, I hear you on that. Yeah, there's definitely probably some folks out there that uh, maybe I wouldn't want to be a fan of mine. Or just be indifferent on me. If everyone was indifferent on me, I think I'd be that'd be just fine as well. But you have fans, boy. It's nice to it's it's I I appreciate it. I had someone come up to me on uh Saturday. You had somebody recognize you? Uh-huh. Wow. Some, was that a first? Yeah, not like a non TMA event for sure. Um definitely. And I bet she was about twenty two. <laughs> he was about <laughs> forty two with a beard. Yeah. Yeah. Shaved yeah. head. You're nailing about it. About a forty two waist. Yeah. Uh, you give or take. Yeah. Take a few belt notches, uh, but a fine gentleman. Appreciated my work, and God bless him. Uh, look at you getting recognized. How the hell would people even recognize you? You know, we're we're doing a we're, at this moment audio medium. Yeah, I think that's going to change here. But at this moment, audio. Yeah, uh, I think he might have tweeted at me, and uh, I responded, which is kind of rare. Um, so you were in the same location and he DM'd you that he recognized you and wanted to buy you a drink. No, I think he uh, DM'd me about something about the Pick 6 podcast, where to find it or something. And I responded, as I usually do to requests like that. And he said, I recognized you from, I guess, my Twitter profile picture. And there I was sitting there. And, and where were you? Uh, the upstairs bar at Duke's, actually. Wow. Yeah, the upstairs bar at Duke's. Wow. Tell me about the upstairs bar. I've never been. It's... It's really cool. Like they got a ton of TVs. I was watching the. I was watching a lot of that UCLA LSU game, uh, in between, you know, hanging out. And uh, it's a great atmosphere. Good vibe. Dukes as a whole is a great vibe. And Packer you know, boys. Packer boys. Yeah. And good you're people. In walking distance of a bunch of the other bars in yep. Soulard. So we walked over to Molly's afterwards. It was a good night. I love hanging out in Soulard on nights. You know, it's a good mix of like relaxing, but you can also have a ton of fun. Now, uh, well, tell me what the ladies were like at. Uh because when Doug would do those live reads. <laughs> there was there was people, girls there my age, uh, getting down. The music's really loud They're up in on. there, so they were they were getting down. And same in Molly's, man. People were having fun on Saturday night. And I didn't think it was going to be very packed because of the weather. But folks were folks were out, which is great to see. Love to see it. Who's what's what what age is the oldest person you see at Duke's upstairs bar or Molly's? Oh, early 30s. So it would be weird if I were there. 
depends on the situation. Like if like was, if I were there trying to pick up, weird. It'd be on. It'd be different. <laughs> You'll see the the rogue, the rogue, the rogue divorcee, just trying. Yeah, maybe not in Seward, but maybe some parts of the county for sure. Anna Marie and I'll talk about. It. I'll say, you know, with you. You'll, what would happen if we were to get divorced is you'd probably be at this point now probably past the professional athlete thing, but like doctor who already has his kids or in, you know, in college or, uh, you know, in their teen, late teens or twenties and you'll be, you'll be golden. Mm -hmm. I said with me, I'd be absolutely done period with wanting to have a companion of any kind. My companion would be my golf clubs, maybe get back into poker. And I guess I would bang bartenders. That's what I think I would, if I ever wanted to yeah. bang, I guess. And that's assuming somebody is interested in banging me also. We're, we're operating on the premise that there'd be interest, but I'd be absolutely done. Uh, I, uh, I, 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 the, the date, the dating thing in St. Louis, and I don't know what age it happens. I think in St. Louis it happens a hell of a lot earlier than most cities. Well, my, my standard is always top 25 markets. Mm -hmm. That if you are single or divorced in your mid-late 30s and above, it's just like inbreeding. You yeah. can't not know unless you are going to just skew super young. Uh -huh. And, you know, if that's the route you go, tip of the cap. Yeah. Uh, especially if you're not looking for anything serious. But I couldn't, nor would I have any interest. And here's the other thing. This is something I'm telling you. I'm telling you about the future. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you about the future. This is Nostradamus for you, Jackson. Mm -hmm. The thing is, and I'll welcome emailers telling me if I'm wrong on this. The thing is, is in St. Louis... It is virtually impossible to date someone above the age of 35 who hasn't either been married or had a children or had a child. Yeah, yeah, I would have to think that. Now in New York, it's super common. The For fact sure. when I was looking there in 2007 and was 30 and married, they're like, "Wow, you're married." You know, like it was weird that I uh -huh. was married that young. Yeah. Here, if you're not married at 30, it's, oh. It is. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh-huh. I definitely, yeah. Now, I think it's changed, by the way. I think it's changed, but still, the principle holds true. Yeah, I'll, I'm wondering when I get 30 how, I mean, I know a good amount of my friends will be married by then, but I'm wondering if you were to compare that to maybe 10 years ago, how those numbers would line up. I think it'll continually go down. The, the percentage of people married in their 20s will continually go down in in metropolitan areas, yeah, you know, cities. I think rural in St. Louis certainly kind of being somewhat rural anyway. But uh -huh. and I'm talking about the metropolitan area um, in comparison to obviously New York, L.A., or Chicago, but you know, Atlanta, Dallas, Denver, something along those lines. Yeah, for sure. That's so that's what I'm trying to figure out what the scene would be like. Now I have no interest in it. <laughs> I want to make that clear. There isn't a slip. I am, I am so happy and comfortable with where we are right now yeah in the sense that there are no social expectations it's not like we gotta like try to find something to do hang out with my family love it and that is wonderful but you know back in the but i loved it when i was in my 20s and 30s too mm -hmm. ran like ivy 
ran like Ivy. Uh-huh. And I got my 30s to, to run like Ivy, whereas I think most of my peers, like classmates from either high school or, or college, at this age have kids probably around the median probably being around 10, I would say, give or take. Some certainly have kids who are older. Some have kids who are younger, but that being the median. And so they spent their 30s raising kids, kind of like what I'm doing in in my 40s. Yeah. But I like that I got to basically fuck off all of my 30s. Yeah. I guess the payoff, if you raise the kids in your 30s and 40s, then theoretically you can fuck off in your 50s and 60s. Yeah, but different kind of... Different kind of fucking off. Yeah. I mean, I had some good fucking off. Yeah. I don't know what other fucking off I could have done that I wanted to do that I didn't do. I mean, yeah. li- just hanging out in Las Vegas, About poker, yeah, that's pretty cool. you know, creepy sexual behavior, <laughs> everything I needed, I got because I didn't get it out of my system in my teens because I was busting tables at Pietro's. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, and the ladies just weren't interested. They just uh-huh. weren't interested. The private school girls were not interested in the <laughs> South Side Thug. So, um, that, that, that's, that's when I think about it, it's like, God, I don't think that's something I would be interested in, but you're 23. So are you like, are you taking lasses home? Be honest with me. What's going on with you? I need to know. <laughs> no, I would not, not this previous weekend. Is no. it a COVID thing or is it an ability thing? Both. Really? Both yeah. of them, both of them. Huh? Yeah. Still kind of getting my feet under me, um, coming back, you know, from a year or more off from going to the bars. So, you know, I anticipate that. And plus on this, so my lease will end in March. I'm going to move. You're already moving. Well, I, when the lease ends in March, I'm going to move to the city somewhere, either South City or Central West. What's the reason for this? Uh, I just, I, w- I want to be able to walk some places. I have some other friends who are down there. I just like the vibe. You're talking about like, like my neighborhood, South City? You're talking about deep South City? Maybe closer to like Soulard. Or I got a couple of buddies in the Central West End kind of area. Um, it's a little more expensive, but I'll, I, I, I want to be somewhere closer to there. Just to, I think the vibe is better. Uh, personally. Down on Brentwood. Don't want to hang out at Obi I like Clark's. Brentwood. No, I like, I, mean, I went to Obi Clark's for the Missouri game, but uh, uh, I am looking to, you know, get out a little bit because I've lived my whole life in the county. I wouldn't mind uh, living in the city for a little bit. All right. Good for you. I think as a 23-year-old, when's your birth? When do you turn 24? March, mid-March. So God. it'll be right when I about turn 24. You're not even 23 and a half yet. No, no, getting there, getting there. But uh, yeah. Well, um, I, I, I like to live vicariously, but only verbal. I'm not going, man, I really wish I could do that. Uh-huh. But pre-child, that's where I would have been. But I think it's a good thing because here's what I think. I think sometimes people have kids maybe as a surprise. Well, certainly I, that's not that's not a bold statement. As a surprise or earlier than they were planning or they just, you're married and it's like, okay, well, we've been married for a year. I guess now we have a kid. And they might be in their early or mid twenties or even late twenties mm-hmm. and going, God, I wish I could go out and missing it. Yeah. And I got to do it uh-huh. and I'm grateful. Now it wasn't planned that way. If anything, we were trying to have kids shit, you know, been married a decade here. Uh, so we were trying to have kids. It just didn't work out. Yeah. So it wasn't a plan, but as it worked out, I'm grateful that I got to have that time in my thirties. And now because I've had it, it's like, I'm spent. I don't want to do that. I I don't even think if I were like in a city with a great social scene, take your pick of wherever that I would, that I'd be like, Oh, I want to get out and get shit faced. Yeah. I don't really like to, do you get drunk? Uh, I do, but I don't like it. Like I don't, like if it's a certain night and I'm just like 
drinking like a bunch. I, I like gin and tonics. I'll just drink gin and tonics for if you drink eight or nine of those, like you feel like shit. Um, but if like I drink all day, it's just beer drunk and then I'm tired of a headache or just feel bad. I really, the, the high of being drunk is super outweighed by the, the post effects. Is this something amongst your peers or are you unique amongst your peers? No, I, I definitely hear it more from my peers. There's and is like, that because the kids are smoking the chronic? A little bit of that, but also just like, I guess the pandemic really sent us because like kids were still like kind of getting drunk, but they would just get drunk in their basements and, and it would just be like the next day, be like, oh, why did I do that? Like, there's no real upside to it. Whereas like two years prior, I think I really did enjoy drinking a lot more. And maybe that's because I was in college. Yeah, I don't know. It's surprising. I mean, I enjoyed it all the way through. I just, it's like, you know, part of it's got to take pain medication for my fucking shoulder and the mix of alcohol yeah, with that. I can't that. do it. Yeah. But the other part, I'm kind of like, I really just don't miss it. Yeah. And I, the biggest factor, and I would imagine for anybody listening who has children or had younger children, you just, you can't. You're, you're not like, oh, good, you know, I'll sleep in today and just hang. You yeah, can't do that difficult. like you did in your in college or 20s and 30s, and I just can't do it. So yeah. it takes it off the table. And then, therefore, if I'm like, okay, I'm going to start going, it's like, fuck, it might be okay now, but, God, it's going to be miserable tomorrow when my son's running all over the place and I yeah. got to try to tend to this situation. Anyway, uh, we got a bunch of questions. We got a bunch of uh, emails and uh, some good ones on the fan page today as well. bunch of emails. Uh, you can always email in for QFTA, T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. Send it to me. Send it to Jackson. Send it to both of us. Uh, questions about anything. Comments about anything. Your opinion. It doesn't even matter. We're going to disagree. Who gives a shit? Yeah. Uh, erotic stories. Uh, it, it, I found, and I kind of am surprised by this, that a lot of people listen who, I guess, would would I would say disagree I don't even know how to characterize your politics. I don't really know how to characterize my politics. I know that I am characterized as liberal, mm -hmm. but I don't necessarily consider myself to be liberal. Either way, I, I am super liberal socially, and I am anti-religion in politics, which I guess then puts you at odds with the 2021 version of the Republican Party, but it's not that I am that way to be at odds with the 2021 Republican Party. I also think that part of the Republican Party knowingly utilizes the religious because it gives you a huge voting block yeah. that will just follow you blindly so that they can implement economic strategies that benefit them. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of like you can take your pick with whatever you would want to use on the Democratic side that we will let them blindly follow us and then we will implement what it is what we want. Uh, as in the power brokers of the respective parties who really don't necessarily share those views, but they'll spout them off in order to make sure that they have the base locked in. I digress. Point being, it's wonderful that in 2021 that you have people who, uh, I, I, I get it so often, even in face-to-face in -face meetings where people say, I really like the podcast, but I don't really line up with you politically. And I'm like, what, what, I don't, where am I politically? I don't know. But it's yeah. good that people can listen to a podcast because to me that seems somewhat rare uh, where they feel like the politics don't necessarily match up with theirs. I consider that to be um, a great compliment. Uh, perhaps my favorite compliment, actually, that one may disagree, but still listen. And I, I remember thinking that years ago, but especially in 2021, I don't know how many political emails we have this week, but who knows? I have lined them up and we'll get ready to go here. Before we do, our sponsors make this whole thing possible. The Ryan Kelly, 
If you are looking to get pre-approved, go to thehomeloanexpert.com. If you are looking to refinance, go to thehomeloanexpert.com. I am speaking from a firsthand perspective because I have done both with Ryan Kelly all in the last 18 months, and it's so easy. We, I don't know where we're going to live. I don't know what the hell we're going to do. Um, but I am looking, and therefore I know what the situation is. And it really is weird when you go online um, and you just want to go, oh, let me see where, well, where, what, you know, what area has what available and so on and so forth, and how the inventory is so low. So therefore, it is super competitive. You got to be pre-approved. Uh, do so at the Home Loan Expert. Dot com. Once you get pre-approved, once you buy a home, make sure you get insured with James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. I also can speak firsthand to James Carlton because I work with him. He is my insurance agent. His State Farm Insurance Agency is located in Webster Groves. The phone number is 314-961-4800. You online at carltoninsurance.net. Um, so I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to like freshen up the the spot and just speak from a firsthand perspective on why, why do, why do I like legitimately recommend James Carlton? Why would I, if somebody emailed me and said, Hey, I switched James Carlton, would I go, man, I'm happy for you. So I think about it and I go, okay, well, when I contact James and I've gotten to know him now, play golf with him here and there and uh, really like him individually. But when I contact him about an insurance thing, it's not only is the response in, instantaneous, but then it's a variety of different kind of checking boxes and asking if I did this and here's how you can do that. And here's what you need to do here. And we'll take care of this. And it's just so thorough. And I, and, it, and I think, and I could be wrong on this, so I'm not casting aspersions on other insurance agents because I'm sure there are plenty who do it really well, but I can speak to James and I can speak to my past places. And I think a lot of times people just kind of, when they're in the insurance industry, once they, the, the process for them is to get your business and then it then it just becomes okay. I'm just gonna keep renewing, and that's my commission, and that's that's it. But you got to earn it. You got to earn it by by doing what James does, which is being proactive, finding ways to save money, and then if there is an issue, taking care of it for people. Uh, and that's what he does. It has been one of the best decisions I have made with my own individual assets, for lack of a better term. Uh, switching to James Carlton. And I say that in a, in a sincere way. Um, I would say it if he goes, you know what? I have advertised for, th- what is it now? Four years, I guess. Um, I'm, I'm done. Eh, not going to change my mind. It still has been an incredible experience being with James Carlton and they do all the paperwork for you when you make the switch. It makes a difference. If you feel like you got an insurance situation and you don't hear back for a couple of days from your insurance agent, I would tell you, unfortunately, that's standard. It would be unheard of at the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. 314 314- 961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton State Farm. If you ever have any damage to your home, water damage in particular, make sure you are working with Jim Rogers of Restoration One of CentralStLouis.com. I think it was James Carlton, actually, who introduced me to Jim Rogers. Any water damage, any kind of damage to your home, Restoration One of Central St. Louis comes in, cleans it up. And when it comes to water damage, make sure that they completely dry out your home. Because if you don't get it completely dried out, you have mold issues. Call 314-565-1962, like I did with Jim Rogers of Restoration One of Central St. Louis.com. That's Jim Rogers. Restoration One of Central St. Louis, 314 314- Five six five nineteen sixty two. You will be thrilled with the work they do for you. So when you need it, make sure you have it saved. Jim Rogers, Restoration One of Central St. 
Lewis. All right, let's go into it right here, right out of the gate. Hey, Tim, in March of 2019, you interviewed John Mazalock, and at the 3018 mark, wow, uh, you asked, what organization or GM do you try to model after? His answer, in my opinion, was a huge tell in one of the major flaws in the organization. His answer was, and I'm paraphrasing, Around 2008, 2009, we realized we don't want to copy other organizations. We want them to be copying us. To me, that is, quote, we are the smartest guys in the room, end quote, and it feels like they trust their system blindly. I feel like the Cardinals don't have anyone in the building challenging them as to what can we learn from our competitors. I just wanted to throw this out there as part of the how do the Cardinals get better conversation. Thanks. That's from the Hunchback. Avon Castle. Jackson, I'm going to pass the ball to you and get your thoughts on what he had to say and any other Cardinal-related discussion you would like to uh, interject into our conversation. Well, well I appreciate uh, sending that in. That's great. You're, you're operating on a lot of speculation there, whether it be what he meant by that and then uh, also that there's a bunch of people there that don't disagree with him. We don't know either of those things to be true. Therefore, it's kind of hard to make a uh, conclusion on that statement. What I will say is I think that they want them wanting franchise to model after, I think any GM or any organization wants other organizations to model themselves after their organization, because that means that they're successful. So I think that was more harmless than what you're alluding to. Um, and I don't know about if they have any, if it's just a bunch of yes men inside the, uh, the Cardinals front office, I, I, I couldn't tell you. Therefore, I don't want to say, yeah, I 100% agree with you because I just don't know. And I apologize that that answer sucks, but I just that's how I feel about it. The Cardinals and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Cardinals and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, storied organizations in their respective leagues. And also, I think, even though I'm the only one I make the comparison often, I think who uses this comparison uh, I think there is a similarity with the way the Roonies do business and the way the DeWitts do business. I would imagine, Jackson, mm -hmm. and I could be wrong on this, that there are a lot of people in Pittsburgh who are really down on Mike Tomlin. Right now, for sure. Okay, but I, but I mean, I think it's like, what is it going to take, you know, what is it going to take to get, you know, Tomlin yeah. fired? You know, it's been kind of, they haven't done this, they haven't done that. Yeah. You know, but they're seemingly always in it. For sure, yeah. I mean, 10 and 0 started last year. So... It's, and Rooney, I mean, how many coaches have they had in the last 25 years? The answer is two. Cower and Tomlin. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That, I just don't think it's a coincidence. Now, I would imagine if you are a, I mean, I don't want to go like an extreme example and, you know, brattle off like, I guess the Texans are considered an absolute dumpster fire right now and mm -hmm. seemingly get to the first round of the playoffs every year and lose yeah. to the Bengals or the Chiefs or whatever the hell happens. Yeah. Um, but like the Bears, mm -hmm. a storied franchise, certainly. hasn't had a championship in a long time. Certainly. Has had flashes, but certainly nothing, nothing exciting. Yeah. Uh, has had a quarterback issue for seemingly ever. Maybe that's changed with Justin Fields. Maybe it hasn't. But if you are a Chicago Bears fan and you could say, I'd like to have the Bears mimic the Steelers, I would imagine 90% of Bears fans would say, oh my God, absolutely. Do you agree with that or not? I'm trying to draw a parallel to take the emotion out of it. 
Yeah, I, I, I absolutely see where you're coming. Like, okay. yeah, we want to model ourselves after one of the most winning franchises. Right. Of and so I think that there is a, I don't know what the right word for it is. I don't, because it isn't a misconception. I think that there is perhaps we're in the middle of it too much to appreciate what has gone on here over the last 20 years. Now, with that, in other words, we're spoiled. Uh-huh. Now, with that said, because if you had, if you were a, a bear, I feel like bears just because they're a storied franchise, even though they haven't been real successful recently. I'm trying to think of, but, but you know, you always use the Marlins as an example if you want to pick on it. Or Orioles. I mean, that's a yeah. dumpster fire Ooh. situation there. Yeah. And you say, could you be the Cardinals to a Marlins fan if you can find one or an Orioles fan? And they go, oh my God, yeah. But here... You saw it, maybe you saw my Gallup poll on the TMA fan page asking the approval rating, and it was, you know, incredibly low, whereas mm-hmm. the Blues approval rating is incredibly high. Yeah. And so I'm trying to draw a parallel with organizations in the NFL where there isn't any emotion. Yeah. To try to drive home my point. In 2008, 2009, if the Cardinals were looking to another organization, to model themselves after, I would have gone, who? Who has been better over the last decade than a team that has been to the NLCS almost every fucking year over the last decade? Uh, And at the very least, the NLDS, all but at that time, 2003, which was a winning season, uh, 2007, uh, it was, was, what, a 500, a losing season? I don't know what it was, but they were in the mix in September, just like they've been in the mix every year in September, and this one will be yet another one that they were in the mix, albeit the mix is getting more uh, liberal in the sense that there are more teams available to be in the mix um, or more spots available for more teams to be in the mix than there were in 2000. So with that said, that that statement from my standpoint is true. Of course, it's an opinion. But then on the other side of it, you can still acknowledge that things are not right. What they are doing is not working. Uh, They are in the mix by definition. And as we are talking three and a half games out of the second wild card spot, even though they're 13 plus out, I think of the, of the central and 13 out of uh, the Dodgers slash giants wild card spot. So the second wild card spot. So they are in the mix, not because of what they have done, but because you've seen the Padres and reds flop around the Phillies and Mets recently get into it. They're in the mix because other, another team hasn't taken control. Uh, there are two games over 500 as we sit here. That is not, that is not, and, and, and also 16, 17, 18, where I, I don't count 2020, 2019, they won the division and went to the NLCS. But even then, I was like, man, I've seen a lot of Cardinal teams in the NLCS since 1996. And I think this might be the worst one since 1996. And then you saw what happened once they got into the NLCS. It was yeah. like they didn't even belong no, they got in there. So it's not working. I think the reason why the Blues have this high approval rating with the same fans who give the Cardinals a low approval rating is there is a sense that the Blues will do whatever it takes to win. And Tom Stillman's just scraping by, but he'll still spend money. Whereas Bill DeWitt is perceived as hoarding money mm-hmm. and not doing whatever it takes to win. So, first off, I disagree with the premise. Um, I just think it's misguided. I think I think it's easy, either radio clickbait or media clickbait, actual print, digital clickbait, to go down that road. With that said, 
if the Cardinals are stagnant this offseason in the free agent market, in particular at shortstop, and with all the money coming off the books and with the shortstop market being what it is, with a, you know Story, Seager, uh, Correa, Semyon, Semyon, uh, and I feel like there's another one. I mean, Andrew and Simmons, I know that's not going to yeah. excite anybody. That would be disappointing, but that's the right. They might as well not do anything. You might <laughs> as well keep the young there. I actually kind of like Sosa, but I know they're in a weird spot there. Yeah. Um, and a DH and probably a starter. With all this money coming off the books, then I'll go, okay, shit, I was wrong. Yeah. But I just, for the life of me, I think the issue is they have poorly evaluated talent and signed players to deals like Carpenter, like the young. Way before Garcia, Jaime Garcia was the one that was the talking point, you know, back when you were in high school, mm -hmm. that they jumped ahead to try to have what they had happen with Albert Pujols that worked, which was they beat him to the free agent market and got a good deal that they want to try to get these values that then they wind themselves locking themselves into bad deals. Or the Dexter Fowler, Brett Cecil, which comes off the books, Carlos Martinez, which comes off the books, obviously Matt Carpenter being the one that everybody circles coming off the books. So with all of that done, with it being Yadier Molina's last year, uh, which I still am not sold as the case, but what he's saying is last year, potentially Adam Wainwright saying, I'll come back, but you got to do some stuff before I come back. Um, I would be shocked if the Cardinals are not super active this offseason. Agreed. Shocked. Now, I know you got the CBA situation, so it puts a little, you know, wrinkle in there, but that's what my expectation is. The issue is, though, is the evaluation of talent. And, and so you know, what the hunchback of on Castle's email was, is we are the smartest guys in the room. And I think that there's something to it in this sense. But then I wonder if it's a good thing. I don't think people at the Cardinals worry about losing their jobs. I just think it has to get, I don't even, I mean, there have been two major firings since 2000. One of which was because Walt Jockety didn't get along with Jeff Luno. Um, and that was that was more personality-driven termination because Bill DeWitt's not firing somebody a year after they win the World Series in a normal situation, but that's what happened with Walt Jockety. Um, and then Mike Matheny. That's it. There have been, since 2000, two general managers. I know Mike Gersh is considered general manager, but I think everybody yeah. calls it Walt Jockety and John Mazalock. And you have had Tony LaRussa, Mike Matheny, and Mike Schilt. That is it. I will move every chip I have into the middle and say that no organization, when you count up the combined general managers and uh, managers, have uh, less than five. You see, oh, since 2000. Yeah. There's just no way. Who's the longest tenured manager in baseball right now? I'll type it in because it's not yeah. fair to put you on the spot. I'm trying to, that's a tough. Tenured manager in MLB. Once I say it, I'm sure, well, I said Bobby Cox. Uh, that's, uh, let's see, this is kind of like a trivia for question for people listening yeah. along and then people who already know the answer are screaming bum, bum, at their bum, bum, phones. Bum, bum. Wow. I bet. Holy shit. I bet you wouldn't get, I bet I give you 10 guesses and you wouldn't get it. I'm not going to do that. No, I, I, I actually haven't. I am actually stunned by this answer. Bob Melvin. You would have never gotten that, right? Uh, Probably don't no. even know who he manages. No, I don't. Uh, he manages the A's. The A's? Yeah. Uh, in the National League, the longest tenured manager is... Wow. This is fucking nuts. Unbelievable. Want to take a guess on this one? 
I don't want to sign. I don't need another Patrick Waugh situation. So I'll just sit out this one. Oh, I th- it was Don Mattingly. Okay. Uh, I was Craig, Craig Council. Really? Craig Council, 2015. Yeah, shit. I was going to say. Like, he replaced Ron Renicky. Don Mattingly, I'll give you $1,000 right now if you can tell me who I really will. Might as well try and fire a bullet. If when he, he was re- hired? Who he replaced. Oh, fuck. Uh, Jose Guillen? I'm not, not bad. Might as well take a shot at the yeah. grand because I would Venmo it to you. <laughs> uh, Dan Jennings. Is he on Jeopardy? <laughs> <laughs> uh, then you go to the American League. Longest tenured, as we said, Bob Melvin. Uh, after that, Terry Francona, 2012. Just, yeah. Melvin's been with the A's since 2011. And then you'll be hard-pressed to find too many. Uh, con- I mean, everything is 17, 18, 19, 20. Yeah, they got With that. the exception of, uh, well, I'm surprised Kevin Cash has been with the Rays that long, 2014, December 14. And... Um, Scott Service has been the Mariners manager that long? 15? Boy, talk about a team that doesn't get much media as the Seattle Mariners. Oh, God, yeah, don't let that fly under the radar. But with that, so, so there you go. There, there's the premise. Yeah. Now, you may like that. You may not like it. I like it. I like it. I li- I'm talking about I like the I like the Cardinals don't just. Yeah, it's not rotating. I, I like that. Yeah. I like, especially if it's been working. But here's the deal. It hasn't been working and this is why I get fired up with regards to doing the same thing over and over again. And I also get fired up when things are said that I don't believe are true. It's false to say the Cardinals don't spend money. Yeah. It's true to say they've spent money incredibly poorly. But it gets more attention, kind of like if you're if you're a politician and an educated politician. Um, so like a non-House of Representatives politician. So if you if you're if you're saying something along the lines of addressing the public at a rally and talking about policy, you're going to have a bunch of blank stares. Mm-hmm. But if you go culture wars, that's what gets people fired up. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so if you're a journalist and you go through, well, let's take a look at this Dexter Fowler. Now here's the circumstances behind the Dexter Fowler. They really wanted Adam Eaton, but then all of a sudden the White Sox overpaid the nationals and then, and then so that called their bluff. And so the Cardinals were forced into a spot where they had to go out and sign Dexter Fowler, but he didn't really want to live in St. Louis because he was told it wasn't a great place to play baseball. Um, and so he said, well, I'll come, but you have to give me an extra year. And then the Cardinals were backed into a corner. And so they, you know, and so that's how the Dexter Fowler thing happened. And then as far as, you know, this, this move here, this is why they did this with Mike Leake, because they were surprised that they couldn't get David Price and they overpaid for him. And I know, no, you go, Bill DeWitt won't spend money. And he's hoarding money, and that's what gets people fired up. And then it's not true. Yeah, They've spent a lot of money, and it's been spent really poorly. Um, now, that is something that I think you can terminate people for. Um, but I'd be shocked if John Mazalek loses his job after this season. Shocked. And also, I mean, the last real baseball season, he was the president of baseball operations. They went to the NLCS. Yeah. I, 2020, they could have won the World Series, and I don't know if I'd really get all that worked up about it. I mean, I, you'd have to acknowledge it, but I can't imagine Dodgers fans look at that and go, yeah, that was the same as 88. So, you know, going 2019, 2018, 2017, 2016, I don't see that many differences. The only difference is an average team got there in 2019, whereas the average team didn't get into the playoffs in 2016, 2017, 2018. And that is why I've been so outspoken about these trade deadline things. And people go, well, look at John Lester and Jay Happ. Yeah, look at them. But what is it? You're not a world championship contender. You're not exactly. even a division contender with those guys. 
it goes back to, I think, it was, I wouldn't trade 2006 or 2011 for anything, but 2006 and 2011 made fans, and I actually think made the organization, focus on the luck element that was 2006 and was 2011 and believe it can repeat itself again. And you might never see anything like that again for the Cardinals the rest of your life, which mathematically would make sense. Kind of like mathematically, the Cardinals are 3.9% to make the playoffs. And it was something around there on July 31st. And yet they trade four pieces, even though they're not really like pieces to get in the mix. They're just like pieces to eat innings. And it's going, you got to got to turn the page at some point. So, that's what drives me up the wall. I suppose for the purpose of playing devil's advocate, they could go, okay, we're only, we're, we're just get, we don't want to ruin our minor league arms because we're focused on 2022, but we're not going to say we're focused on 2022. So we're just going to get two guys who aren't going to be around in 2022, might not even be in baseball in 2022, and just have them eat the inning so we don't ruin our minor league guys because in 2022, we are going balls to the wall. It's Yachty's last year. It's Wainwright's last year. Maybe they're going to bring in Pools as the de- designated hitter. Uh, or as one of the designated hitters and a right-handed bat off the bench to have him make his run uh, for 700 as a Cardinal, which I would get with a designated hitter. I wouldn't be on board with it without the designated hitter. And we're just going to get through this year because it just isn't happening. And if that were the case, then you, and you really believe you have answers in the outfield with Carlson, O'Neill, and Bader, even though I don't necessarily subscribe to that thought process, but whatever. And you know you can't do anything with Arenado at third. You can't do anything with Goldschmidt at first. And you can't do anything with Molina at, at catch. So you got shortstop, maybe second base, DH, and a starter, especially with Flaherty's shoulder. Yeah. And we're going to go balls to the wall this offseason. Uh, so we're not going to mess with what we think could help us in 2022. Then I understand. I don't understand what the thought process was in 16, 17, 18. I'm not sure that was the thought process in 21. But to me, the moment of truth for me will be this offseason. Um, and even then, it's tough just because you don't know what the collective bargaining situation is. Yeah. Assuming that gets worked out and assuming it becomes a standard offseason, if they are inactive and trot this out there, I will be absolutely shocked. But if they do, then I will, I will actually start screaming about sports, which is something I just don't really all that often do. Because then I'll go, okay, shit, I was wrong. All these people who say they are sitting on money and hoarding money, they were they were on the right path. I was wrong. I just don't think that's right. I don't think it's right. I think the facts actually show that it's wrong, and I don't think that's what's going to happen. There's going to be so much dead money off the books, and I think you have to cut ties at times. And Paul DeYoung is a cut ties at times. Admit that it was a mistake. Got too aggressive thinking one thing was, you know, one season was going to lead to long-term solution at shortstop. It isn't. You move on. And uh, and you acquire a shortstop because they are at least one bat away, if not more, uh, offensively, much less now what they could have in the rotation. I mean, if they didn't have a guy who was debating whether or not to pitch this year, they'd be right there with the, the Cubs, you know, uh-huh. as opposed to thinking that uh, there's a chance of getting into the wild card. Uh, let's see. What do we have here? Uh, hey, Tim. Sending this just because I know it's stuff you guys get into more on QFTA than on TMA, but they talked a little bit about what you talk about on Bill Maher this week. I don't watch Maher, but turned in, tuned in to see what they were talking about with Afghanistan on Friday night. Toward the end of the Afghanistan talk, Maher started talking about how do we get back to where everything wasn't always political. 
He brought up how both sides and arguments just say horrible things to each other. The woman on the panel was talking about how the anonymity on social media makes it easier for people just to be cruel to one another. I don't really have a question, but just wanted to bring it to your attention since it's something you talk a lot about on QFTA. Hope all is well. That's from Sack, the wonderful board operator uh, from years gone by, the great Sack, who uh, just got engaged over the weekend. Oh. Tip of the cap to Sack. Yeah. He's a great fucking guy. Um, well, yes, I, I agree with that. I saw that episode. I think they replayed it this past Friday because he was off for Labor Day weekend. Um, I agree with the sentiment. I'm glad more people are talking about it. At the same time, there, nothing's going to change. No. Not like Twitter's going to go, you know what? It, it, we're going to get rid of anonymity and everybody's going to have to submit a credit card and uh, a driver's license. And we are going to verify that you are real before you can post. It's not going to happen. So it's going to continue to happen. And I don't really see an end to it. Kind of like in a way when I talked about uh, on January 6th and I mistakenly said how I thought that would be the rock bottom and it absolutely was not. And uh, I don't know what the rock bottom will be. I don't know if we'll see rock bottom actually in my no. lifetime or your lifetime. Um, I don't, cause I don't know what's going to change it. Uh, but I do think what the sack sends in here is a monster contributing factor to it. And that is the anonymity of social media, making people who have had, you know, I don't, whether, whether they're dealing with something that is medical uh, or dealing with something that is professional uh, or personal as far as a disappointment goes. It is a place to take their anger out on people who they see as having a better lot in life and they can do it anonymously uh, or people who they consider the reason for their shortcomings and uh, then blame them and then attack them. And as long as you can do that anonymously, uh, this will continue. So I have no idea what the solution is outside of I agree with the premise that was brought up. I can't recall what the lady's name was. But I do, but I did see that. And yeah, that was, Mar had uh, Ralph Reed on. Are you familiar with Ralph Reed, uh, Action Jackson? This is another obscure question I'm putting you on the spot for. Don't know. Don't know, Ralph. Uh, not familiar. He is a political consultant and lobbyist, and uh, he was the executive director of the Christian Coalition during the early 1990s, and he started the Faith and Freedom Coalition in June 2009. So, as you can imagine, if you're familiar with Bill Maher and where he is, as yeah. somebody who is uh, quite outspoken on his feelings uh, toward religion, being an atheist, yeah. uh, and Ralph Reed, they are coming from things in a different... Yeah. But that's what Maher's point was. Here's Ralph Reed on his panel. Maher's talking how he talks. Ralph Reed talks how he talks, thinks how he thinks. Maher thinks how he thinks. And his point was, he looked at him and goes, I disagree with you. I think some of the things you think are crazy. You think some of the things I think are crazy, but that doesn't mean I want you taken out. Yeah. And that's where it is. And I don't know what changed. Uh, I know one of the next emails that we have uh, asks about September 11th. And I would imagine this week um, you will see a lot of documentaries, yep. a lot of new uh, stories on the 20th anniversary of September 11th. And I was watching one of them. It's a really well done one. And I guess maybe I've seen it. Um, it's simply called 9-11. Um, but it's about the two French film students, I believe. Are you familiar with this? No. It's so, it's just, it's, it's in journalism school, if it actually were practiced in journalism, it's exactly what you would do. Now, this is coincidental because how could you have planned for it? Yeah. But I think for their project, and I'm sure some people listening know exactly what I'm talking about, because I think it's the only 
video of the first plane uh-huh. going like in from inside the plane. Or? No, 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 no. That would be uh, quite a phenomenon. Uh, no, they're on the street. Oh, okay. And they happened. They were out with firefighters, and they were working with this fire department in Lower uh-huh. Manhattan. And they were just doing, you know, it's whatever, eight something in the morning, and there's not many people around. No. And he just happens to, you know, it's like shaky video. He just happens to peer up when they hear a noise, uh-huh. hear the plane coming, and catches the first plane uh. going in. Yeah. And then the remainder of it, I really do recommend this. I happen to see it over the weekend. I, I think I've seen it before, is from their perspective, but also the firefighters with whom they were working's perspective. Mm-hmm. And all of the video they get, and all because it's humanizing, kind of individualizing. Even though it's not individual, it's more about the, the the team and the fire department, and then these two French brothers who were who were shooting and their documentary um, of that whole day. And it's just really well done. Um, but I would imagine you're going to see more. I, I saw one inside the War Room that's on Apple TV this week. I'm sure I'll watch. I watch these every year. Yeah. The reason I bring it up is, you know, when the president comes on, President George W. Bush that night, you don't have, you know, and these are a bunch of firefighters in New York. I would imagine most of whom voted for Al Gore uh, in what was a controversial and at the time one of the most controversial presidential elections ever. Um, it seems like nothing in comparison to the last 10 months, but nonetheless, at the time it was. And when he pops up, nobody's going, oh, this motherfucker, fuck this guy, or, you know, he's a moron, or he's, you know, got dementia, or, you know, whatever shit would go on now. Yeah. Take your pick, by the way. It doesn't matter. Um, It was silent. It was respectful. It was locked in like we are looking for somebody to lead. And keep in mind that on September 10th, many people were still contesting that election. Yeah. Um, Certainly nine months earlier. Uh, until George W. Bush was inaugurated. So uh, it was not necessarily a time of great peace and civility amongst Americans because of that presidential election and the way that things went in Bush v. Gore. But uh, that brought people together. Um, So I don't know what is going to change it. Um, I don't have any optimism for you. I gave you optimism on January 7th. I was wrong as fuck. Um. I suppose whatever it would that would change it is not something that we can come up with an idea here because otherwise other people would have come up with it. Unfortunately, I think it is an event, but I thought that the event was January 6th and now the veracity or the intensity of that is even something that is debated, which is, you know, mind blowing to me. But I, that, that, that's kind of why I've tuned out is I'm like, okay, if that didn't do it, then I'm just kind of, you know, I'll try, I'll try to take care of my family as best I can. And this uh, paying attention to this is only going to frustrate me. And whatever years I have left, I don't want to really spend them, you know, with this crap. Uh, so um, that leads to this email. Hey, not sure if it's QFTA, but with the 20th anniversary of 9-11 coming up, I have been looking back a lot about where we were as a country then and where we are now. I felt like after the attacks, the country rallied to fight a common enemy, and it brought a lot that is missing in our country today. Uh, Patriotism, love for one another, no matter your political affiliation. Flash forward 20 years, and now the country is fighting itself and is so divided. Honestly, I thought after Trump lost the election, the division between people and hate we had for others would slow down, but it has ramped up. 
The TMA after the Capitol insurrection had me feel for sure this would be the point where we looked in the mirror as a country and said, fuck, this is insane. We are literally tearing our own country apart. We need to change. I know COVID is not a physical person, but I feel like if the country can rally the same way it had in 2001, that we can begin pulling out of the hatred slash division we have for one another. But with no end in sight for COVID and things deteriorating in Afghanistan, what do you think it will take for our political leaders and Americans in general to bring our country together? Also, if that question doesn't work, could you please share your recollections of September 11th? Not sure if you were on TMA or if you were working in 2001, but what was it like? Uh, what was it like reporting on an incident like that live? What do you remember the most about that day? Thanks for your time. That comes from Vince. So, Jackson, you were, what, three? Yeah. No, do you remember no. anything? Zero memory. Of okay. It. The only memory is every September 11th at school, we would talk about it a bunch. And, yeah, no. Uh, outside of that, it's my father's birthday. September 11th is my father's birthday. Yeah. So, that's... And one of my best friends in the world, too. So, so you, you, when you see the video... Um, the videos, take your pick of whatever. What, what do you think of what, when you, I say September 11th, what do you think of what's the vision you have immediately? What the, comes to mind? the plane going through the, the, the second one, probably. Yeah, yeah. Cause at that point, all the cameras are trained on the world yeah. trade center and what they thought was at the time, potentially an accident. Yeah. Um, so you, so when you, so let me elaborate on that with, with more follow-ups. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in a few years after September 11th, you're able to, understand the magnitude of it yeah. but when you think of it now having not understood it at yeah. the time and not even remembering it live uh -huh. what do you think of that day what would just word vomit on me uh, just the the other shock of like hey turn the tv on and like you could be ha you know it was in the morning so you could be having coffee with your significant other just talking over with buddies at work and all of a sudden i mean a domestic tragedy unheard of before in our country uh, is is going on in the heart of our commerce, the n most populous city in the country, and everything like all eyes are fixed on what is happening, and people have no words because they've never seen anything like this. And there was always this feeling that when you're in America, you're safe from outside attackers. You know, if you go to their country, mm -hmm. who knows? But when you're in America, you are safe. And that's just, a good one. That's a really, that's a really astute observation for somebody who doesn't really remember. Yeah. And to see that, that change that day, yep. to see that that's no, no longer the case, panic, you know, tragedy, just feeling for people who are there, but also feeling like for a, maybe like a parent, like I, I, I used to be positive. I could protect my family. I am not no longer positive. I can now protect my family. Um, the, the observation on how it was here mm -hmm. and the safety that flipped, it never changed. I don't know if it ever will change to, because it is weird when I think of now having 20 years to look back at before and after Yeah, uh, how it seems not like a different world, but it certainly seems more innocent in 2000 and 99 and 98. Yeah, exactly. Um, I would imagine, although I don't know, for our grandparents, great grandparents, Pearl Harbor, yeah, that was had something like it, but again, still that's Hawaii, and it was an attack on a military base, not right. an attack on human like civilians. civilians. Yeah, um, so you know, a, a few thoughts on it. Uh, I was working in television at the time. I was working at KMOV. I was twenty four, um, 
and I was off. I think I, when I was a KMOV, I was off on Tuesdays and Wednesdays or Tuesdays and Thursdays, but I know I was always working weekends. So I was off and I was in this time. I wasn't doing radio yet. I started doing radio in 2002. And so I would sleep until like 11 or noon mm. every day. Uh, it's just the way that I was and obviously have changed that dramatically with radio, but that's the way that it was. And I was sleeping at my girlfriend's place and she's at work and I wake up and I walk out into the living room and I turn on the TV and you're kind of in a haze when you first wake up, even though it's probably, let's say it's 10, 1030. Uh, I think both buildings had collapsed, so it had to be 1030, 11 o'clock. And, you know, you see it and you're just like, what in the hell? Because it, it's it's not even on your radar. No. Like if I turned on the news right now and I saw hell breaking loose in Afghanistan or really any other part of the world, I'd go, okay, you know, what is it? Yeah. It's expected, unfortunately. Yeah. With this, you know, I had just gotten back the day before from Philadelphia mm-hmm. um, where the Rams opened up the season against the Eagles, which yeah. wound up being uh, the NFC championship five months later. Um, and they won. It was a great game. And I remember when I was up in Philadelphia, I think I had a friend in New York, and I was thinking, God, I'm not that far from New York. Maybe I'll go up to New York for Saturday night because yeah. we fly on Saturday and have nothing to do. And I'm like, ah, it's going to be too much of a pain in the ass traffic-wise. So i just flown the day before. Yeah. And I, I, I recall looking at that, stunned, number mm-hmm. one. Then I get my bearings, and disbelief is is an obvious statement. I'm trying to drive it home more vividly because everybody remembers where they were, assuming they're old enough, for what their reaction was. Jay Randolph Jr. was live on the radio, and I think they made the decision on KFNS, Uh and I think they made the decision to just flip to the network. I think it was an ABC News affiliate that they just decided to flip to. Yeah. Um, Howard Stern famously was on live as it was going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, Heartbroken, I think emotional. Yeah. Um, and I was off, as I said, but I remember driving down highway 40 being on the phone, I guess, which is kind of weird. Cause I don't know if I would have had a cell phone then, but maybe I did probably did. And was on the phone with my mom saying I'm heading downtown to go to the station just to try to help out yeah, to do something for sure. Uh, cause I'm sure the coverage is going to be, you know, nonstop. And even though I'm a sports guy, I just want to help. Yeah. So I drove downtown. I remember going, oh, they, you know, you don't want to go downtown. They might, you know, downtowns might be targeting, uh, you know, which now sounds whatever. But at the time, in the yeah, moment. No idea. And I remember one of my, I, I would actually say perhaps my, you know, one of my most intelligent friends, somebody who I would say would be a great service uh, to government if he were to choose to run for office. Um, I don't believe he lived in the United States at the time. But he was saying, hey, I want you to know, and he sent an email to a group of us that, you know, from my contact, you know, we're hearing that there might be planes coming across the Pacific. And this was later on in the day. So you're just, so at that moment it becomes, you're just hearing yeah, so much anything and everything. Obviously yeah. you don't think it's over. They grounded all of the planes. Um, and I remember being in the sports department at KMOV and our department was right next to Larry Connors and Julius Hunter, who were the news anchors. And for people of a certain age, that means a lot for you. It probably means nothing. But, uh, I remember Julius Hunter, the the United States started bombing in Afghanistan within hours of this, within 12 hours for certain of, 
of what had taken place. Uh, or at least the thought that was the United States was going to bomb. Maybe that's what it was. And so there was video of nighttime raids in Afghanistan. So it happened that quickly. Yeah. But uh, because they're like, yeah, this was bin Laden. And you're like, well, how the hell do you know that? I mean, it's not like he's got Twitter, you no. know? So, But th that that always has kind of been weird to me. But whatever. That uh, the thought process was the United States is already attacking Afghanistan for harboring bin Laden. But in reality, the Northern Alliance and how about this, the Taliban, we're talking about it 20 years later, yeah. uh, were at war, civil war in Afghanistan. And that's actually what it was. You know, the United States, of course, did go into Afghanistan. And here we are 20 years later talking about the United States exiting Afghanistan. But you had that take place as far as a military response right away. I don't I mean, I voted for George W. Bush in 2000, um, which I'm sure made some people, you know, stunned to hear that. But I did. Um, I would like to have that one back, but hmm. you know, nonetheless, he, when he popped up on the TV that night, you're not going, Oh, I didn't vote for this guy. You know, yeah. screw this guy. That's not it. It, it wasn't even, wasn't, I, and I would imagine it wasn't even on the map for 95 plus percent of the country. I truly believe that maybe I'm naive, but I think that's where it was. And everybody rallied behind it and everybody was united. Mm -hmm. Everybody was scared. Yeah. Um, Within two weeks, the NFL restarted. The first game for the Rams was in San Francisco mm -hmm. at what was Candlestick. I think it became 3Com. I don't know what the hell it wound up being before. I don't know if they've torn it down or not. Um, it's not where the 49ers play anymore. Obviously not where the Giants play anymore, but uh, that's where it was. I remember flying out there. I took my girlfriend with me, uh -huh. and um, I remember being in at the airport at Lambert uh, and seeing a kid with a backpack and just being like, they got to check him out. They got to check yeah. him out. That's the mindset. Now, of yeah. course, I wouldn't even think twice about it. Uh, I remember a guy walking up and down the aisle and like looking at her and I'm just like, man, I mean, be less obvious about it, you yeah. know? Yeah. But it turns out he was a U.S. Marshal. They were putting marshals on planes. Yeah. Uh, we were hesitant to go. It's in yeah, the back of your mind. For sure. Uh, you're going to a huge city. Um, but uh, I remember the game and, you know, a huge American flag on the field. Uh, I think that was an emotional thing. You had Jack Buck's poem, which I yeah. would imagine you've seen, but, yeah. you know, obviously wouldn't remember. Uh -huh. I was on the field for that. Um, and, I, you know, I had interviewed him, Jackson, two months beforehand, 4th of July. Uh-huh. And I remember he was showing me, like we got done with the interview and then he kind of gave me a tour of his house, which was still like, it's kind of like a field of dreams thing. For sure. And he was showing me some of his poems. He just really got into writing poetry mm -hmm. in his last couple of years. And so, you know, he obviously had written that one spur of the moment um, or maybe had 10 days or so, but you know, it wasn't something he'd written months beforehand because it was all byproduct of September 11th. And that still gets played. You'll probably see it here within the next few days yet Definitely. again on the 20th anniversary. Um, and I also remember kind of thinking like, how will sports ever feel significant again? That's what I remember thinking in the moment. Um, I remember, watching TV with my girlfriend in the ensuing 
nights, and that's what you would watch the the the, the smoke and still the heat coming up from Ground Zero yeah. is what you would watch, and and then the news reports and just being depressed actually, mm-hmm. which sounds which may sound weird, or maybe for those of you listening who are old enough to remember it, you go no, of course, but you know I think it had to be at least like you know, 18 years old, 20 years old to maybe have, I don't even know the right word. Appreciation isn't the right word, but maybe an understanding, understanding cogniz- yeah. cogniz- cognitive awareness of what had just taken place. And so now that you look back on it, 20 years removed um, and see where we are, I think if you would have asked people in 20 years if we would be at war, people would have said yes with the people who did this. Yeah. And in a way we were, but I don't really know what, I don't, I don't really know. I, I know that at, the, at this moment, again, what are the chances as we approach the 20th anniversary with Afghanistan being in the headlines? I'm not sure what, what the plan was there. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, and then you have Iraq, total separate thing, which I guess in an effort to invade Iraq got lumped in with September 11th, even though yeah, totally unrelated and the weapons of mass destruction thing. But if you would have asked Americans in September of 2001, would we be at war? If people would have said yes, they would have thought with someone in the middle East, but instead, as it turns out, I think, which would have been the least likely answer, we're actually at war with each other. And, and as I said, I don't, I don't know what is going to change it. I have no idea what is going to change it. And I hate saying that I'd love to, you know, when I said what I said on the night of January 6th and and in the morning of January 7th, I meant it. I'm not trying to put a positive spin on something. I really, I'm like, okay, this is unbelievable that this happened. I'm like, you gotta be fucking kidding me that this has happened, but at least everybody's going to, okay, Jesus, Mary and Joseph, this enough that, that, that this is enough. And now it's like, Oh no, eight months later, we're litigating the legitimacy of, you know, how serious that was. And you know, you're just going, Oh my God, what the fuck? Uh, if you would have told me in January that we'd be litigating the legitimacy of the vaccine and people not wanting to get, I, I mean, these are yeah. things that are just a few months ago. Yeah. So, what's next? It's just not going to change. I mean, this, it's just, I hate that I feel this way. We used to talk about in this podcast before you were working here, mm-hmm. it was me and Pete. Um, so this was after CMAR, but before you, and we get asked questions, not about September 11th, but about the divide in the country. And I would say, unfortunately, I think it's going to take something similar to September 11th for it to change, to change. Yeah. But honestly, certainly January 6th was not September 11th, but, but if something like that were to happen, it, it, what would happen? No, no, I, I don't recall. I mean, to an extent, there was blame placed inside the Bush White House and that there were briefings that were ignored about a real threat coming from, um, I don't think it was specific to Afghanistan, but I think Al-Qaeda. Yeah, Saudi Arabia, I was about to say, I thought it was Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Um, but that's not where the focus was. Mm-mm. It just wasn't. Uh, you know, if you want to like look for it, it was there, I'm sure. But it's just not what the most, most, 
And if something like that would happen, it'd be like blame. Yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? So you agree with me? Yeah, see exactly be, what I'm saying. Would, people would see it. And so Biden did this. You know, it only happened because Trump did that. Whatever. And yeah, it's just try to find it, blame. And I, I, I wish, I wish I could spin, spin something optimistic. Because what you're going to see over the next few days, because it's what you know, it's 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 a business. I think what you will see. Let me put it this way. I will bet heavily that what you will see over the next few days is we record on September 7th and you'll see things probably, you know, already started, but September 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th over the weekend, you will see positive spins and attempts at inspirational stories. You know, sure. look where, you know, like I've already seen some of the stuff like this, you know, I guess we can look at it from a nostalgia standpoint on how we all came together. But if anything, it's sad that you see how we all came together and where it is now. Yeah. Um, it's, and I, ha I really, I don't know what will turn it around. Um, at the same time, if one was despondent about the state of things following Bush v. Gore, which seems like nothing in comparison, yeah. but if one was so upset about that and people certainly were, but not to the level of, of course, of September 11th or January 6th, um, they couldn't have imagined September 11th bringing people together. So perhaps something happens and everybody comes together. Yeah. But I just, I don't know how it's possible. I don't know how it's possible. I have no idea how it's possible. I'm listing just uh, now I'm going to word vomit. Social media won't let it be possible. No. Nope. Um, the business models of the news outlets that cater to their respective bubbles mm -hmm. aren't going to hurt their own uh, own business models. Certainly, it's profitable to divide. Uh, the political parties are not going to go down that road because that hurts their business models for 2021. So, I just don't. I don't know, and I and I hate that I feel that way. I suppose I'm just living in acceptance of it and recognizing that I just don't see it changing. And I hope I'm, of course, I hope I'm wrong, but I don't know what in the world is going to change it. I used to think, I said it, I don't know how many times on this podcast, Jackson, I said, it's going to take something similar to a September 11th, which is an awful thing to say, by the yeah. way, it's not like you want it, but something similar for people to go, okay, what the fuck have we been doing here? Mm -hmm. But it's just, it's just not going to change because you have part of the country believing one set of what they believe to be facts and part of the country believing what they believe to be their perception of what are facts. And so it's just, yeah. it's, it, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, th I think we got real problems with the pandemic. I, you know, I'm not going to go into the advertiser, um, but you know, talking about, you know, now that the pandemic's behind us, I'm going, wow, this copy, this, this wasn't a local, you know, and I'm reading it. I'm, and I think I said to you, as I got done voicing it, I yeah. go, boy, I, that's, that's, that's not the way I think most people would phrase it right now. I mean, Maybe. we want it to be, yeah. and I'm going about things quote unquote normally, but you know, it's far. Yeah. I mean, we're, yeah. I, and, and that's something that I'm telling you in my mind in the month of April and May, in my mind, it was over. Yeah, that's where I sure. was. I Watching, really was uh, the Phil Mickelson and Brooks Kepka and that, uh, was that the PGA championship watching all those people rush up? Oh you know, yeah. I was yeah. like, Oh wow. Everything's back. Like we're back. And, 
and listen, there were even college football stadiums were packed this weekend. I'm not sure. chast. It's not a chastising thing. I'm just going, it's shit. I thought it was over. It's not. And yeah. I don't know what the hell's going to, you know, I hear these and I see they're just so bad at these commercials trying to get people to get vaccinated. If it hasn't happened yet, some attempt at like yeah. trying to resonate with people to get vaccinated, it isn't happening. I don't, I don't, I don't, I really don't know what the solution on that is either. Um, That's a tough one. So it's just, I, I, I hate that I feel this way, but I also, I, you know, the, the, the great compliment that the podcast gets is, well, I disagree with you, but I know it's honest. So I gotta be honest. I hope I'm wrong though. Also, it's kind of mm -hmm. like, yeah, I don't think the Cardinals are going to make the playoffs. I think acquiring Jay Happ and John Lester, you know, ridiculous, but my God, it'd be wonderful. They did. Yeah. You know, um, I don't think Eli Drinkwitz is the second coming, but I hope I'm wrong. Yeah. I hope I hope they're undefeated going into Texas A&M will be the greatest fucking thing in the world. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, this is another one, much more important and serious topic where I hope I'm wrong. But, you know, I'm looking at it. And I'm going, this is, you know, I look at September 11th and, the, and, you know, everybody cheering George Bush as he throws a strike at Yankee Stadium before game three of the World Series. Um all of the support you weren't even thinking about, Oh yeah, he's a Republican president. And you know, it, it wasn't even, it didn't even, you know, it wasn't even on the map yeah. for the vast majority of the country. So I don't know. What do you think action Jackson? What do you think? You're, you're a younger type. Yeah. Like you said, I mean, as long as money keeps coming in for people to be divided, it's going to stay divided. You know, as soon as that changes, then you might see a change, but until then that's just kind of how we're wired. It's, it's all about, you know, and then that's the way that we were built, you know, so it's inevitable in that sense. But yeah, I don't know what's going to possibly change it from that way, but you're hundred percent right. Is like, if that were to happen, something like that today, it's just like we the blame. first thing, who, who can we blame? blame? Who can we blame? And, uh, you know, I've probably been guilty of that before too, but shit, that's just kind of how it's been since I, you know, saw it kind of happen in the second term of Obama and now it's come full circle to now and it's, how it's going to be most likely just because now everyone has a voice and the division is making money and all you see out there is division. You never see, you know, the, uh, Twitter on Twitter, you never see uh, a Republican, a Democrat agreeing in some sort of video. But even if they did, then they'd get lit up. And that's the thing. And then yeah. people will actually focus on that. Whereas yeah. we used to make fun of like, if I had a friend mm -hmm. and I don't, and I'm glad that I don't, but if I had a friend who were, who was super active, on Twitter or Facebook or wherever, like espousing political opinions that then get cited as there was outrage on Twitter or so-and-so yeah, yeah. is getting backlash, I'd go, oh, fuck. But it's not a coincidence that I don't because I don't have people in my circle who yeah, behave like that. Yeah. But yet those are the people who news organizations are holding up because you can find any asshole to say anything and say oh, there's backlash and now we've got our story. That's the media monster. The media monsters are backlash. Look at this. Joe Biden said this, but he's being reacted to this way. Oh, you know, Kevin McCarthy said this, but take a look at the reaction to this so we can frame it that there was reaction. That's the game. And so we cite this, like this wing of the, you know, take your pick of whatever adjective you want to use to like hold it up as credible. Yeah. When it's oftentimes lonely people just looking for validation in the form of likes to yeah. their existence. And it's just gross. And yeah. I don't, that's why I don't see it changing because politicians and businesses actually are catering to this shit. Yep. So we're fucked. 
And it really, it makes me sad if I think about it. But the way I handle it, and I'm dead serious, and I, I'm not really, I'm not necessarily proud of this, but ever since, it's, it wasn't since January 6th, it was the reaction to January 6th that I'm like, I used to like look forward to Sunday mornings and watching Meet the Press and then watching Fox News Sunday. I look forward to it. It's my time to sit there and drink coffee and hear, hear what I would hope to be a couple of different perspectives with going with NBC and going with Fox. And now I'm just like, it doesn't fucking matter. If we can't agree on that on January 6th, then yeah, you know, well, what I mean, can we, yeah. it's, and that's why like when I see, like I hear, I see the vaccine commercials, I'm going, we're just filling time here. Yeah. You're, yeah, you're throwing to someone who isn't there. It's it, it, like, you know what? I haven't gotten vaccinated, but now that I saw this commercial, you know, of two young people who were trying to make into hip kids getting vaccinated. Now I'll get vaccinated. It's just not the way that it's going to work. I don't know what is going to change it unless it gets absolutely way worse than it's ever been. I don't know that that's going to happen. I think, I think essentially you weren't on the show in March, 2020, and you should be very glad that you weren't on the show in March, 2020. It was not a pleasant time. Um, Michael Osterholm, which was the, 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 um, God, what the fuck was, you know who I'm talking about? Uh, uh, he did an interview and, and then I had a friend who happened to be, not that I would say happened to be, because it wasn't like he picked a football game. I mean, he was in the know. Uh-huh. And he lives uh, lives in Florida, but from St. Louis. And I was down in Florida, and he's like, hey, man, just to give you a heads up, this uh, this pandemic thing is about to get really bad. And I yeah. think you're probably going to hear about it getting really bad within the next day or two. And I think they might start shutting places down. So I know you only got here a few weeks ago, but you might want to head back to St. Louis uh-huh. as quickly as you can. Cause you don't want to get stuck down here if they start shutting things down. Yeah. And I remember I showed it to my wife and it, and, and, and now it sounds like, well, of course. Yeah. But if you can imagine, oh, yeah. you know what to read that. Yep. And again, this isn't like a buddy who's like, you know, jacking himself off to Alex Jones, you know, yeah. or jacking himself off to take your pick of whatever left wing you, you'd want to, you, you know, this is, this is perhaps you know, whatever, not to get into specifics, but this person's done very well for himself and yeah. brilliant, like scary brilliant. And I'm going, fuck, you know, mm-hmm. what the hell's going on? Because we were aware of it. Yeah. Uh, a couple of days before I was at Roger Dean Stadium and we were waiting for Mazalak to come out and he does an interview. I still probably have it on my phone. And the first few minutes are, you know, MLB has uh, enacted these new policies. We're not going to be able to sign autographs. So, you know, we'll toss autograph balls into the stands. And some people immediately were like, oh, that sucks. They're not going to do that. And that was like on March, let's see, probably 7th, I think. Uh-huh. By March, and at the moment, and then he went into Gyro Munoz going rogue and leaving the club oh, yeah. randomly. That was that. the story. Yeah. Five days later, the game was shut down. Yeah. That's how quick it happened. Oh, That's yeah. how quick I it know. happened. Yeah. And, and so... In the moment when I got that email, I'm just like, what the fuck's he talking? Then it happens. And I'm like, oh, fuck, he knows. Uh, and so people knew. You yeah. know, now these are people in medical and in tech, but, yeah. you know, it was coming down Broadway. Now, if I would have said that on March 8th or 9th, whenever he contacted me about it, um, I don't know, you know, and he was just like a random guy, and I would have then gone on the radio with the people to go, you're fucking crazy. But it wouldn't have been viewed politically because it wasn't initially viewed politically. Not at all. A couple of weeks later is when it started. Yeah, it was straight fear for the first part of it. It was fear, and everybody was kind of coming together in a sense. Yeah. 
Um, and I really don't know. I mean, I guess I could theorize as to what happened, but I, you know, it became, I don't know, you know, you we're all old <laughs> enough now. And if you're old, you know, listen to this, you're old enough to remember all that happened with that and probably have different perspectives on it. But, um, yeah, man, I, I don't know. I hope, you know, what, what the reason why I brought up March, 2020, Michael Osterholm, I gotta look him up while I'm talking about him. Cause I'm talking about him. Like everybody knows who I'm talking about and I can't even fucking say who he is. So he is, he did an interview and that was the thing that we read quotes from the interview and played some of them that got people's attention. Cause he was ta- he was, he was basically doing the math on how this is going to impact things. Uh, epidemiologist, that's who he is. And he did an interview and, and he goes, this is, yeah, this isn't going away. We're in the top of the first inning. This is not, you know, this, so what we have to do, which is something that I think now everybody would agree with, but it was, it was kind of like, I remember him saying it from the beginning because this isn't, this isn't something that's just going to go away. And we also can't just like hide out either. What we have to do is figure out how to live with it because it's not just going away. Yeah. And he was right. Yeah, hundred percent. Okay, so now we've got now we got twenty minutes, twenty months of a sample size to operate on who was right and who was wrong. And from the get go, he was saying this, and the math was right. Um, and he and and I would imagine a lot of people who at the time were condemning him because he was saying how bad it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you had some people saying this is just like the flu. Um, to now saying, well, he's right because he was saying we got to learn to live with it because that's where a lot of people are now um, or were then, but that's what he was saying from the beginning. And he was right because that essentially is where people, um, I think the majority of people are now. We can't shut down again, but what the fuck at the time a vaccine wasn't even on the horizon. No. And to think, you know, it's really easy for me to remember when I got my first uh, dose of the Pfizer vaccine is what I have uh, because it was April 3rd, 2021, 4321. Yeah. So, you know, at that time, I mean, I'm just kind of like, yeah, let's go back to doing 100%. whatever, you know, Exciting. that's where I, yeah. Yeah. And, and we're going to have an economic boom because of it. I was For saying sure. that on the podcast. Right before the summer too. It was, oh my God. Yeah. It was and that's really up. what it was. Mm-hmm. That's what the thought was. Yeah. And now I'm like, you know, it's now we're the day after Labor Day. I go into my seasonal depression yeah. of, you know, you know, I got my thing from uh, whatever, like, Hey, the freeze is coming. I'm like, Oh my God, it's 80 something degrees today. But yeah. It, you know, I, I, I can sit out here right now, Jackson, and look outside. It's a beautiful day, probably in the 80s, sun's shining. But, you know, if the Cardinals were to somehow get to the World Series, that's only a month and a half away. And you've been, I would imagine, or at least know enough about the, what yeah. the World Series atmosphere is like in St. Louis. You're freezing your balls off. Yeah. So it's that close to coming. It's crazy. That is to point out that if the weather is an issue and the sunlight is a help, then here we go again. And so I don't know what the fuck's going to happen. I don't know. And I'm, I'm talking about just the the actual pandemic. I'm talking about the ec- impact on the economy um, and how it's just going to be people fighting about it. And it's just, a, I don't know, man. Yeah, it's exhausting at sometimes because it's like, I you know, if you, like you said, like the beginning, like, well, how could this be politicized? Like, but we have found a way to politicize essentially everything, yeah, it including was, it, science. It wasn't, uh, it was, it just wasn't the first couple weeks. And I don't know what it was. It'd be interesting. I'm sure some of you listening who 
you know, really, really, really pay attention to the history of the radio show and moments in the radio show. And I, I would be curious if there was, a, and it wasn't a moment on the show, if it was a moment in American history where it became clear that conservatives, Trump people, not necessarily conservatives, were going one way and anti-Trump people um, were going another way. That's when it happened. And I'm telling yeah. you, I've received hate mail. It's just kind of the deal. And that's, I don't want to say it's fine, but it's whatever is yeah. the way I describe it, which might be a weird way to say it. But, you know, it is at this point, whatever. It's not changing. But the intensity of the hate mail I received during March, April, May, uh, I don't know. I don't know what I can compare it to. It was something else. It, and it was, it was, it was also startling because it wasn't like we even thought we were talking about anything that was that yeah, exactly. controversial. It yeah. was so, uh, it, it was a weird deal. But with that said, um, that's, you know, that's, that's 2020. And here we are in 2021 talking about the 20th anniversary of September 11th. And just, you know, in a weird way, September of 20, 2001, you view not of course, because of September 11th, because of the feel in the country, with a sense of nostalgia. Yeah. Because it's as together as the country had felt in I don't know how long. And um, and this is easily the most divided. And on top of it, I I don't know what's... I, I have no idea how it'll change. I don't know if it will change, actually. Yeah. Which, you know, again, none of this is intended to be negative. It's just what I think. Um, You know, plenty of things, I think, from a very positive standpoint that I might be in the, in the minority. I was positive on the morning of January 7th, but I think it, I think it was that, that was for me. That was it. That was it. That, I'm just like, Oh, Holy shit. We're actually going to try to like, <laughs> we're going to, we're actually, we're going we're actually going to spin this thing. Yeah. We're actually going to spin this thing. And this isn't just like, this isn't like QAnon people. No, you know, this is, Rational this is some fun. of my, you know, not all of, but some people I would consider friends. So these are, you know, some of whom are, you know, and I'm just, like, holy shit, you yeah. know, this is now it's off. Now it's off the rails. And I'm sure plenty of people who are listening right now who maybe normally would be the people who would email in and go, I, you know, I don't agree with your politics. I don't even see this as political. No. Just like, this is what we saw. Yeah. <laughs> how are we going to, you know, yeah. how are we going to actually call this one political? All right. Uh, we got a second half of the uh, podcast uh, to get to design air heating and cooling is online at designairservice.com. The great Seth Gold camp will take wonderful care of you. Iggy says it's not going above 90 degrees uh, the rest of the uh, year. You would not have to worry about that the rest of the way. Forecast is saying it might go above 90 degrees. If you do run into heating and cooling issues, make sure you're doing business with designairservice.com. Design Air Heating and Cooling, the official HVAC provider of the Tim McKernan Show. And, of course, Munganess, the official automotive provider of the Tim McKernan Show. Let Jamie Burkhardt or Clayton Patterson know. You are a Ryan Kelly Morning After listener or a Tim McKernan Show podcast listener, and you get $1,000 off a 2021 vehicle at stlouisacura.com or altontoyota.com. It's Munganast, stlouisacura.com, altontoyota.com. I am a very happy client of Munganast. Big-time recommendation to all of our listeners to do business with Munganast, stlouisacura.com, altontoyota.com. They have more than 300 pre-owned cars on the left. It's stlouisacura.com. And AltonToyota.com. And Action Jackson, tell me about your guy, Mark Hanna at Evergreen, STL.com, 889-050-3314, 889-0503. Well, Mark Hanna. 
anytime you, you talk with Mark, it's so, he's so accessible and easy to talk to. Like you really just feel comfortable talking with him. It's, it's extremely simple to book an appointment. And once you do, just after you talk with him, you'll feel so much better about your finances, where you're going to be going in life, where you're currently at in life. And Mark takes all of that into account when he suggests what plan will be best for you. And then afterwards, I mean, it's just such a big load off your shoulders. Uh, you know, it's a big way off your chest. Like Mark Hanna is truly the best in the business. The way he connects with people is unmatched. And I highly suggest just talking with Mark Hanna, even if, you know, maybe you don't do anything, just talk with him. I guarantee you'll feel better about yourself and you'll feel better about where your money is going to be because that's how good Mark Hanna is. So if you don't have someone, give Mark Hanna a call. And if you do have someone, I suggest switching because Mark Hanna is the best in the business. The number is 314-889-0503 or go online at evergreenstl.com. Action Jackson, you were looking at the fan page uh -huh. uh, and saying that we got some good questions this week. Yeah, I saw a couple good ones. Let me see what we got. Timmy Recaps. Always a good one. He's a, a QFTA a Hall of Famer. Oh, show. Uh, probably zero upside in answering this, but to your knowledge, have you been passed over or have you passed on a bigger, more individual professional opportunity as a result of your loyalty to your coworkers and grind to make it work with the whole team that made TMA what it is? Hopefully that makes sense. Thanks. That's from Pockets, a nickname that just stuck. Retired, which I hate to hear that Pockets is retired because yeah, Pockets is an all-timer. Um, the answer to that is yes. Um, 2006, not going to Denver and working at what was Fox Sports Rocky Mountain. Um, I didn't really want to do it. I would have been host. You know what? I've been working with Chris Thompson. You familiar with Chris Thompson? Mm -hmm. She's on Fox NFL, like their pregame show. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I turned that down. Um, I think if it would have paid more, I might've gone, but I really believed in at the time, the morning grind. Mm -hmm. And then seven months later, Joe got whacked eight months later, Martin quit 10 months later, the cat got fired. So as you can imagine, I was going, wow, I really fucked up, <laughs> Yeah, but we're not in the business of results oriented. We're in Ooh. the business of the process and I loved doing it. Plus inside STL was only six months old. And I was thinking to myself, God, I think we got something here mm -hmm. and here we are. We're still doing it 15 years later, 2007, uh, which I've talked about on here a billion times, uh, the opportunity to do television in New York at SNY on that one. I remember being really, I, I did for, for whatever reason, like, like I didn't want to leave and not be able to do radio. Yeah which wasn't my thought process in 2006. So something must've happened between 2006 and 2007, which is weird because when I think of 2006 and 2007 for this radio show's history, it was a very low time because again, producer Joe got fired, Martin quit and the cat got fired. So, you know, basically everybody on the show, the show didn't have six people at the time, yeah. um, was gone and it was a miserable time from October through the day, my last day at KFNS when I quit, um, it was brutal, 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 brutal. Um, and I can't imagine many people listening were listening then. And even if you were a listener of the morning grind or morning after, you weren't listening then because it was just awful. Uh, the quality of the stuff was awful. Um, so, uh, you know, that, that was a that was an individual decision, but I really believed 
that I was given the opportunity to do radio in St. Louis at 1380 or do TV in New York. And I know it sounds asinine, but that I chose radio in St. Louis. And it's because I just believed that the show would work. Um, and I know it sounds like, oh, I'm saying that now, but that's, I mean, shit, I guess my actions are, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my actions yeah, there, I guess I said, the off chance you don't believe me, I go, well, fuck, I, I'm here. So like, obviously <laughs> didn't go. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, and then recently, which is probably more what, what, uh, pockets a nickname that just stuck slash retired, uh, was going for. Absolutely. Um, I, I, you know, I don't know whenever, uh, the time comes that all of the, the this is over. And by all of this, I mean, um, the, the decision on where to, uh, to go, uh, is over. It's tough because I don't, I don't know if it's fair I, I don't know if it's fair to the companies that, that, you know, I wind up deciding not to go to, um, to then, you know what I mean? Like yeah, when, when, a, when, a, when a free agent signs somewhere, they don't go, you know, well, I met with the Yankees and they did this and this and this and this, but I didn't go there because of this and this and this. And I met with the Dodgers because of this, this and this, but then yeah. I didn't go there because of this and this. And I, because now the that's it, you know, and then on top of it, there'll be a time where I'll be a free agent again. Yeah. And now if I'm known as the guy who then airs the, yeah, exactly. You know, the yeah. way the sausage is made, so to speak, which companies don't want. No. And on top of it, I don't really know if anybody in the audience really gives a shit when it gets down to it. What no. they care is, you know, is TMA around, is the podcast around and how do I listen to it? And whatever you do with your career, I don't really fucking care as long as I still have the show that I like listening to. I think, I think that's essentially it. And by the way, it's kind of what I care about. Yeah. You know, I, w I went to Shake Shack uh, last night, Action Jackson, in, you, in, your, in your neck of the woods. Did you really? I went. Okay, two now we got to break this down. This is, I wasn't expecting Pockets' uh, question to lead to this. Yeah. Okay, the one at Ledoux Crossing? Uh huh. I don't know. I Sometimes I'll Uber Eats it. Yeah. But I'm just like, it's going to be a whole thing. And I've had so many times recently, not so many, but a couple of times recently where I've Uber Eats something and like the driver just eventually bails on. I'm just like, okay, yeah. fuck it. I'm just going to go get it. Yeah. So I go to pick it up. I place the order at 525. It says it's going to be ready at 545. So help me. <laughs> I am standing outside along with 10 to 15 people. Didn't get it till 620. Yeah, sounds about right. It was aesthetically grotesque. <laughs> it had clearly been sitting there forever. Yep. And it didn't taste great no. either. And I'm going, now. I want to make sure I include this before you go in because clearly you're having similar experiences. Uh, I recognize from afar the situation for businesses, in particular restaurants right now, even yeah. though I am not involved, that it is a brutal time to try to hire people. And this is for a lot of businesses, not just restaurants, but yeah. certainly restaurants. Yeah. Um, and this is from talking to a variety of people in this situation where it's like, we want to hire people. We can't hire people. Businesses are closing because they can't hire people. Businesses are closing because they don't have supply, whether it be supplier of employees or supply of product. So there was a place, and it might be one where I say it and everybody will know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, God, I can't remember where it was, where it was, where there is actually a sign that said, please be patient. We know it may take a little longer, but we want to, we just, we're short staffed. Yeah. We'd love to have more people, but we're short staffed right now. Everybody here is doing the best they can. I thought it was a great message Yeah, definitely. to like remind people that that is the situation. Yeah. So in my mind, I'm like, I can leave. I spent whatever, $15. Yeah. Fuck it. 
I, I know, I, I see, you know, that people are back there working. For sure. It's not a case of laziness. It's a case of being understaffed. Yep. Leading back to what Timmy Recaps asked, which my perception is of what the audience thinks with regards to, you know, a, a situation that I would prefer have never gotten public, but it has, and so it is where it is, and so now that it is, I'll address it when asked. But uh, all I care about is my burger being good and then I'm in and out. Mm-hmm. And I don't really give a fuck about what's going on behind the scenes at Shake Shack. In my mind, Danny Meyer is a multi multi millionaire. And what I sit there when I'm going, when I'm waiting, and when I'm uh, when I get home, and my burger looks—I mean, <laughs> look like something you got like at McDonald's at two in the morning, and yeah. you're like, "Fuck, I'm shit faced, so I'll just eat it anyway." Yeah. Uh, when I'm, I'm I'm picturing Danny Meyer. Which I imagine what a lot of people do when like the, they're mad about something with the show, they picture me. I, I'm trying to like draw yeah, uh, an analogy on yeah. on it, even though I know Danny Meyer has absolutely nothing to do with it. And then furthermore, I know that uh, Danny Meyer, uh, if he could, would have the thing fully staffed. Yeah, it's just not. And yeah. so they're back there scrambling. Uh, they're working as hard as they can. They're making burgers, making God only knows what. You know, minimum wage. Not enough. Yeah. And it sucks. And so I can sit there and, and get angry and go on social media and take them down and all that bullshit. But in real, who's, who's the bad guy? Yeah. What's, where is the bad guy? It is the situation at this moment in history. So what is my lesson from it? Take people out on social media or attack Shake Shack all day long. It's not going to change anything. It's like, okay, if I want Shake Shack, I know what the situation is at this moment. I'm going to pass on Shake Shack. And it's probably the case at a lot of places right now, especially those like chain kind of places. For sure. I think if you want to go and get a quality meal at this moment, a locally owned where there's more quality control is where you're going to get yeah. your best option. Oh yeah. Bread. So you had this. Hard. Yeah. That's another, I, I go across the street and get my, uh, my salad on a near daily basis. And I'm kind of like, Oh my God, this is a situation. The one so they're only open from seven to seven over here across the street. I'm for in. sure. Yeah. And they once had a sign that said, we'll hire immediately. Like they'll hire you if you walk in there. But, uh, the one next to me in Brentwood is, I mean, they're in there training people while trying to make orders. And I mean, you know, if bread goes good and all, but it's Breadco. like it shouldn't take 40 right. minutes to get a sandwich. People aren't going there for a 40 minute sandwich. They're going there yeah. quickly. And so I understand that their troubles and is can't find Hire people and Shake Shack is such a, a mixed bag, man. You can go there and get it in 15 minutes. You can get there and get yeah, it. Yeah, well, I won't hour. go back for a long time. No. I still, I, but again, I'm not like, God, oh, this is mad about this. I, it's, it's the situation. situation. 100%. If I were to go to basically, I think almost any, with the exception of Chick fil A, which is somehow doing better. Miracle. Somehow. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but it's just like, okay, that's, that's, you kind of know. And usually, I think the reason for fast food is the quickness of it. Yep. Well, now it's it's the antithesis of it, plus it's such negative EV <laughs> with yeah. regard to nutrition. Oh, for sure. But boy, is that burger good. Uh, it, it is, but mine was not. I mean, it was just yeah. like, oh, it's so dry and burnt and clearly. I mean, it was smashed. Like the one bun was going this way, the other way. It was, it was just like grotesque. And I'm yeah. like, oh my fucking God. And I, you know, waited damn near an hour for it. But again, I'm not like, fuck this. You know, yeah. Danny Meyer, I'm going to tweet at you. I get the situation. I kind of knew it going in, but I, I'm like, I'll go to Shake Shack because I think they'll, they'll, and I'm like, oh, they're not, they're not safe either. Nobody's no. safe. No. It is, it yeah. is, it is the spot at this particular. Yeah, moment. they have a high amount of demand and so few. I mean, essentially, their product is their staff getting burgers out, and they don't have that right now. So, 
when you mix that high demand with that, you're going to either get an inferior product or not a product at all. Uh, so how did that come out of Timmy Recap's question about decisions where I want to keep the show together as opposed to my own individual interests? Uh, thought process. Be, I, I'm sure there are some people who are really interested in the process, potentially the opportunities. The TV ones are easy. First off, they were a long time ago. The radio ones, they're local. Uh, and then that means when I don't take them, somebody else took them. And if like, like, let's say I wound up taking one of those, but then I found out that they wanted to hire whomever and I was the second choice, that wouldn't feel really good. And then it doesn't look good for the business. And I, you know, when I'm a free agent, whenever the time comes, if I'm a free agent again, and I'm still working in St. Louis, then these companies will go, yeah, but remember when we tried to hire him in 2021, he did this long dissertation of, you know, turning us down publicly and why he turned it down. And that it's, it's one of those things. Yeah. I'll take this in another direction again. And I don't, you don't have the personality. Uh-huh. Uh, so this isn't necessarily directed toward you, although it would certainly fall into your age range more often than not. Um, but it doesn't have to be somebody in their twenties uh, cause it can be in their thirties, forties, fifties, sixties. Also, I just think it happens younger where people will feel wronged in their career and then they take it to social media uh-huh. and it is, it, let me put, let me put it this way. If I were hiring people yeah, and I observed that I would be very cautious hiring that person yeah. going forward because you now know the, uh, the makeup of, uh, that you're bringing that into the room Yeah, and, and listen, it gets you likes. You know, I mean, again, that's, that's the currency for a lot. It'll get you likes. And then, then the employer's the bad guy. But why does that need to burning bridges is never, ever. I, a remember, smart and I remember hearing that even, I think at the journalism school. So, you know, 20 plus years ago. And I remember, and everybody's like, it's a tight business. Everybody kind of knows everybody. There's no way you have more than two degrees of separation. And it's a public business too, you know, not publicly traded per se, although some companies are, but public in the sense that you're, public yeah. figure, even though you're in the rare spot of being a public figure and a lot of people are not making great incomes as yeah. a public figure, which, so you're getting fucked in both directions. <laughs> um, but Hey, everybody chose it. So it's not yeah. like we put us in here, you know, in indentured servitude. And, and I'm, I'm just telling you the way somebody, you know, go in with class, go out with class as much as you possibly can. And, and you know, listen, I know if I were to detail all of the, you know, the shit, people would love it. It's because trust me, a lot of it is titillating. Um, and if anything would seem fictitious, but you're, you're getting in a spot where you're, you're airing things and it's just not a, you know, that's how I think anyway. Yeah. Cause I know, like I was saying earlier, if I had, if I had friends, I mean like my close friends and they were on Facebook or Twitter and I'd be like, Oh my God, what I would, I would, I would first probably show, my wife and I go, what the fuck's going on with, you know, cause she'll say like, I just, I, I unfollow almost everybody unless I'm like there. I truly am close with them yeah. on, on Facebook. Yeah. Um, it's nothing personal, but I might, you know, I mean, I'm probably of my quote unquote Facebook friends. I'm actual friends with like a hundred of the 5,000 or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I don't even, I don't even know. I you know. Don't take it personally. If I don't accept your friend request, I just, I don't really pay attention to it. Um, but my wife doesn't unfollow because, you know, she's not doing this for a living. And so, God, my Facebook feed is filled with, you know, politics. And I go, how in the hell is that possible? And she goes, well, it's like people I went to high school or college with, and they're on there. I'm just going, oh, my 
God, are you like friends with these people? Because <laughs> you got to have a certain personality trait to like start, you know, but I, you know, hey, I'm sure plenty of people I'm talking to right now are going, hey, what are you, you know, attacking? I'm not attacking. I'm just saying it's not, that's not my thing. And I recognize being a godless pervert might not be your thing. So I'm not saying my way is the right way. I'm just saying that's what I equate it to. And I am saying from an employer standpoint, in particular in media, if you know you are bringing somebody on who has a track record or even did once of lighting up the past employer in a public setting, whether it be in the newspaper or on social media, that is a strike against, and it is a major strike against. You don't talk about it, but in the private meetings, when you're deciding who to hire, I assure you, it is talked about. Yeah. Because you're going, well, you know, inevitably, we're going to part ways. And yeah, what happens if that's so, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you already know it. And it's so obvious to me. <laughs> yeah. But yet people do it. Yeah, and it's like, do. you need your short-term likes, man. Inject those fucking likes into my veins. But, okay, you got them. Now what? Yeah. Now you don't have a job, you know? But you got your likes. Fucking sweet. Um, so, yeah, that's that's... You know, that's that's the reasoning for not going into the... And again, it goes back to Shake Shack. I just want my burger. I want it as quickly as possible because I like my burger. I don't really give a shit what you have going on with your life or what decisions you make. Am I entertained from 7 to 10? Am I entertained on the podcast? That's it. Go fuck yourself the rest of your life. You know, and that, and that's totally fine because, I you know, I don't... I, I want to go in and whatever business I'm going into, they're dealing with things. I just want the product that I want or the service that I came there to get. And that's it, you know? Yeah. And that's reality. So I understand it. I, mean, I know that the question wasn't asking for that, but that's my reasoning for not going into more specifics. Although it's certain, you know, I mean, you know him, you know everything. Yeah. Uh, Iggy knows everything. Doug knows everything. So, you know, but that's because you guys are impacted by it and you need mm -hmm. to know. And yeah. I also want to know what you guys want to do um, and what decisions, uh, you know, we'll be making because I do want to keep the thing uh together, you know? So, um, I hope that answered the question, even though I think it probably didn't. Uh, what are your thoughts on Pujols possibly playing in St. Louis next year for Wainwright and Yachty's farewell tour? Obviously it would be better if the DH were implemented. Part of me wants to see it happen, but part of me hopes it doesn't happen. If Pujols did sign with the Cardinals next year and hypothetically speaking, also announced that next year would be his last year, there would be an uptick in tickets being sold, meaning more money for DeWitt and less motivation to field the championship caliber ball club. What are your thoughts? I understand the question. The question is rooted in a premise that I don't agree with, which I know we spent uh, part of the earlier portion of the podcast on, and that that is that Bill DeWitt is not interested in, in in fielding a championship caliber team. Now, I operate on a premise that I think I may be wrong on, and that is you get to a certain point in life with a certain amount of money, and you kind of don't really care about chasing more money. Yeah, you lose your drive. Yes, but I am told by some, not necessarily at that level, but then and this isn't reference to Bill DeWitt, that for, for some of these guys, like a Cronky, yeah. I know that's obviously got a negative connotation, but I, I don't know who you want to think of. Jerry Mark, Jones. Mark Cuban, I don't know, yeah. whoever you want to think of. For sure. That there are only so many people in the game, the game being having that kind of money, and the only thing left for them to really compete at is essentially a dick tracing contest with the rest of the yeah. hundred thousand, whatever it is, people in the world in America, I guess, who can who can play in the game. Um, mm -hmm. 
in a way, I kind of think I could be wrong on this. Why I I think that golf and poker oftentimes attracts certain types of personalities because you can be great in one area um, and kind of have it all figured out and you're made and you're good. And then no matter how perfect you play strategically, optimally in poker, you aren't going to win every time. Can't, cannot mathematically, cannot. And golf, you cannot perfect it. But it is the quest for the perfection that you can never truly quench unless you set the bar to like, I'm going to become a scratch golfer, then you get there. But so, so it's, I think I'm trying again, I'm trying, I'm introducing theories here that it is a way to satisfy the competition that you no longer can play a certain sport or you no longer have to like build your business because it's already built and you're either a multi, multi multi-millionaire or billionaire and you don't need to do it anymore. Chasing again. You're competing. Yeah. And so either you're competing with dollars, you're competing with championships for teams you own. Yeah. I have no belief whatsoever that Bill DeWitt is just sitting there going, oh good, we, you know, made another, you know, million dollars because in reality he has hundreds of millions of dollars. It just doesn't matter. Now, if you're on the outside looking in and you don't have hundreds of millions of dollars, which I would imagine is everybody listening to this podcast, and wouldn't it be wonderful if we had billionaires listening to the podcast? It would be. It'd be cool. Um, that you don't see it that way. Or even if you had, you know, even, you know, a nice amount of money, but not that, you still, well, no, they're hoarding money. And that really is what people believe in St. Louis. And I just don't believe that. So with regard to the question specific to Albert Pujols, I love the idea of them bringing him back as a right-handed bat and a DH for certain matchups for 2022 with Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina and take your pick of whatever free agent shortstop and take your pick of whatever free agent DH and take your pick of whatever starter they were to acquire. Um, I, I think, I, in a way, I almost think the Cardinal approval rating. Did you did you see the Gallup poll on the fan page? I saw it early, so I'm not. But uh, I mean, it was overwhelmingly low. It was probably yeah, in the twenty percent range of approval figured, rating. Yeah, I figured it'd be in twenty five percent range that they could get people back on board. Because what is going on here, and it's gone on for a few years now, I've never seen where yeah. there is this chasm between the fan base and. Uh, and the organization. So that's not the reason to do it. But if you are going to have this nostalgic season, which I also think is going to be an incredibly competitive season, um, because I think they're going to be aggressive. Yeah. So much money's coming off the books and in the position they really could improve the bat on is where there are all these free agents. It just seems so likely to me um, that I consider it to be, you know, as close to a lock as you can have on something that really the Cardinals don't control. Cause if players don't want to come here as free agents, I can't fucking do anything about it. But, um, that's my expectation. And you pair that with Albert Pujols pursuit of 700 as a DH slash pinch hitter, along with Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright's final year, potentially Wainwright's final year. And I think what's going to be a very competitive team. And I think Pujols actually serves a purpose. Yeah. You know, it's not like, I mean, he didn't, he didn't serve a purpose as a first baseman with Paul Goldschmidt here. Not at all. That made no sense. Um, but a lot of people like the idea. Uh, so I actually am all for it. And I don't think it's going to materially impact what the Cardinals do strategically. I think Pujols comes back here for a bargain 
And yeah, well, who's going to go after him? He was a free agent. Nobody really wanted him. Yeah, you know? exactly. So I'd love to see it. I'd be curious what the Cardinal mindset is on that. Um, if they want to do it, but with the DH and a right-handed bat and an understanding that this is the deal, Paul Goldschmidt's the first baseman, you know, we'll give you as many opportunities as possible, but it'll be because we need you. Yeah, it won't exactly. be because you did what you did from no, 2001 to 2011. A, a pageant show. Right. Um, you know, and I, I 100% agree. I think it makes a lot of sense in multiple different avenues. And uh, for me personally, like, you know, I grew up from early as I can remember being able to watch the best baseball player in the world, one of the greatest hitters ever in that 10-year stretch. And I just took it kind of for granted. So to see it again return, again with Yadi, who's been the starting catcher since I was in kindergarten, and Wayno, who was on the first team that I remember like following every single day of that 06 team, that would be yeah. an incredible way to, that's just like to round it out. Like if you were to make, like it's, if it's like a movie, like that's the perfect ending to it all. So, and it also makes great sense if you got the DH, right-handed power, a guy like Albert, you can get cheap. Makes sense to me. So I think it's great. I think I, I really hope they do do it. Uh, let me get to, uh, let's see. I keep hearing about how baseball ratings are down and how basketball is so popular. What proof is there of this? Well, the ratings. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. I saw that one and I thought <laughs> this one will be answered quick. <laughs> The, the ratings will will tell you. My, I mean, my, I don't know what to say. Yeah, the the numbers. Like this isn't like a conspiracy. No. Am I missing? Am I missing something? I I read it a couple of times because I thought he was like, I, no, it's just, yeah, the the basketball ratings. Right, are, let me pull up some semblance of an art. Like, uh, I guess I mean. So so is we just talking ratings? Are we talking attendance or? Yeah, I don't know because they play in different sized arenas. You know, baseball stadiums a little bit bigger than a basketball arena so if we're going with attendance then that wouldn't really hold much water but uh so i mean i, I just to answer i guess as if this perhaps was thought to be like a conspiracy i don't know i don't i'm, I'm not trying to be flippant no 100 percent. i don't know i just don't know but the answer is the ratings which which are not you know classified there you can type in mlb tv ratings and see so i'll just read this is from forbes and this is from august um while the 29 domestic regional sports networks saw a slight increase in TV households watching Major League Baseball at the All-Star break, compared to the last full season in 2019, the league is seeing a double-digit drop. Um, so that is from Forbes.com. Um, hopefully that helps, you know, bolster if you that one was skeptical. Uh-huh. Um, and with regard to, I just typed in MLB ratings, um, uh, so you can find a variety of articles on that. Uh, and then NBA TV ratings, um, you can, uh, be the, the, the premise, but, but when I talk about it, uh, let's see, when I'm talking about it, um, I'm talking more about baseball having a problem because young people yeah. are not watching I think season ticket holders and the average age on television are like 55. Uh, that's the median age. Mm -hmm. Season ticket holders are only a little bit younger. Uh, let's see. Um, trying to just pull up whatever I can statistically, but premise being this isn't this is an information that you can you know that that is you know yeah secret. Uh, but to, but in case maybe the you know 
Uh, there's also zero chance soccer overcomes baseball, as I keep hearing you guys say. Who's been saying that? I don't remember. I, I think you, I think European soccer is taking a more of a foothold with the younger demographic. Like I think one of the questions we were asked maybe a month ago was if you could take a sport. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Outside of one of the major four, yeah, that you would buy stock in, and what I talk about, and I'm not talking about, you know, the MLS franchise. I talk about how young people are wearing, take your pick of whatever. Ronaldo, Messi yeah. jerseys yeah. Uh, in the interest in soccer there. So I don't know. I feel like this gentleman may be operating on some yeah false pretenses, but a hundred, I mean, basketball, football, uh, European soccer, even American soccer to an extent and MMA are hugely are, you know, much Has Doug more. or Iggy been talking about soccer overcoming. No, not I, I just, I don't try. I want to try to no. treat the question with fairness. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I, I do remember saying I do believe European soccer, if you're taking one outside of the four major sports in America, that that would be the one to buy stock Yeah, so the in. question was, if you had to pick uh -huh. a sport outside of the major four in North America to overcome baseball, I guess, or to buy stock in, something yeah. along those lines. Yeah, um, I, I think it was one in, one out. So the one out would be baseball, the one in would be but that's just under the premise of if you had to put one out and put one in, what would it be? Um, I believe that's what it was, but I could be wrong. I have noticed over the past few decades the loss of the memorable sports announcing voices. I grew up with Keith Jackson, Dick Enberg, Brent Musburger, Vern Lundquist, etc. But the voices that have taken their place are generic, bland, and boring. Besides Joe Buck, Jim Nance, and Chris Fowler, I cannot care about the announcers and I'm not brought in by them. They do not excite me. Is this by design by the networks? Is the talent non-existent compared to the past? Are my past feelings affecting my current attitude of the announcing culture? Uh, that is from Brian. Um, see, I wouldn't put Nance and Fowler in there. Um, it, it, by that, with regard to personality, let me make uh -huh. that let me make that clear. Yeah. Um, talent, different deal. Talent is there all day long. My God, how could you how could yeah. you say otherwise? But personality, because when you're talking about Keith Jackson. Um, you know, you think of a personality, a Harry Carey personality. For sure. Um, here's here. I saw this question. We talked a little bit about it. I thought it was an email. We talked about it on the Ryan Kelly morning after, but it was actually on the fan page. Uh, and that is, I, it's certainly not a talent issue. I believe that organizations, media organizations want to play it safe. Yeah. And so they hire safe now. And so therefore, broadcasters who certain like Joe Buck is his him talking how he talks over the last seven ish years is an absolute revelation to the public. Yeah. Now if you know him, you know that's how he talks. And he's this incredible smart ass, quick wit, hilarious. Like it's like when I'm with him, and I haven't been with him in a while, um, but you know, when Anna Marie and I would be around him she'd be like when you guys are talking it's like listening to a show even though we're just talking yeah but it's like it's just like you know quick yeah and it's just but that's who he is and he kind of was hidden with that i honest i actually think and maybe he would say he probably would say this i think a lot of it, he's just so fucking happy with his personal life mm -hmm. he's so happy with michelle and they're you no know, he has two older daughters but two uh three-year-old twins um I just think he's happy and he's at a good place. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think that's necessarily where he was 
And so I think he's just comfortable kind of like, you know, I, I know he's the social media shit still drives him up the wall. I heard him last week on his podcast talking about how he got shit for his family feud answer. Um, but you know, I just think he's happier. So w with that said, I think overall, whether it be the regional places, radio stations, uh, for play by play, um, or networks, they want to play it safe. They want guys who are going to, because they're in business with the teams or in business with the leagues, if you want to go national. So they don't want people who are going to be critical. They don't want, they don't want Harry Carey doing, they don't want even Jack Buck, um, when he would be critical. And I don't like it because I don't think it's real. Like mm -hmm. I grew up wanting to be the Cardinal play-by-play -play guy, just like I would imagine for real God, I bet in the St. Louis metropolitan area in the 1980s and 90s, I bet there were a hundred thousand other people who were interested in that yeah. for real. Yeah. And I went to the journalism school to do that, which was completely misguided because the journalism school has nothing to do with play by play. Wow. It gets you in media, but I, all of a sudden I'm like, why am I anchoring news? I have no interest in this. The fuck am I doing here? Yeah. You know, um, now it got me into it. And it certainly was a good thing doing this uh, for this, but you know, it's not an industry I would recommend to people. That's for sure. Cause there's only so many positions and there's a million people who want to do it. So you don't, you rarely have leverage. So what I like uh, is, or what I want, I could have, I could not do what places want people to do now. And by that, I mean, be a robot. Now, I'm not saying people are told to be robots, but essentially they know they can't color outside the lines. For sure. And that, I couldn't do it. So I think I could call a Cardinal. I think you could plop me down right now and I could call a Cardinal baseball game. I Just because I've lived it, I've loved it all my life. And therefore to fill the time, I mean, look at how the Adderall sessions here, I just go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I could just go. Yeah. I'm not saying everybody would like it. Yeah, but, but there's like that, if somebody said, hey, you got to call the Cardinals and Dodgers tonight at seven o'clock, I'd be like, fuck. Sweet. Now, if you said, Hey, you got to call the blues and Blackhawks, I go, Oh fuck. No. Yeah. Couldn't do it. Yeah. Couldn't do it. Or, or really, or even Missouri football for that matter. Yeah. But the Cardinals I could do, mm -hmm. but here's the, here's the deal. Cardinals would never do it. You know, and I'm talking about even pre whatever I'm perceived as now. Yeah. I couldn't cause you have to, it's just not. And on top, you got to do a bunch of stuff that I have zero interest in doing. I love the fact it wasn't strategic. It wasn't planned, but I love the fact that I'm viewed by the kind of mo modern day Philistines, the holier than thou's as like, oh, you can't have him MC because he talks about porn or, he, you know, is, yeah. you know, he's agnostic or whatever, you know, they don't invite me. <laughs> it's great because yeah. I don't want to fucking do it. Yeah. Make that crystal clear. I have zero interest in it. I hate that stuff. Now, if somebody invited me who knows what I do and like, we love the show and we want you to, you know, just talk how you talk, I'd be like, fuck, I'm there all day long. For but sure. if you want me to phony it up, yeah. I'm not interested in being around the phonies. I don't want it. I don't want it. They're not my people and I'm not theirs. So good. So never the two shall meet. Because uh, it's like when I would get invited to MC things and I'd, you know, kind of like, oh God, these people are, you know, in their sixties and, you know, I know they probably have no idea who I am and, you know, want it to be a certain way. I don't want to do this stuff. I don't need to do this stuff. I have you know, and it'd be the same thing with calling a Cardinal game, you know? Yeah. I loved the article you sent a couple of weeks ago where there was talk of Barstool yeah. calling a game each week with Major League Baseball. I think that is brilliant. And I want to reiterate 
because sometimes when you talk about barstool, people line up pro or anti. It's like Trump, mm -hmm. you know, immediately. I personally, if anything, am a little weirded out, I think, yeah. <laughs> uh, by the loyalty of, yeah. uh, you know, but, but, uh, you know, yeah, it, it, because if you want to make a comparison with TMA and Barstool, I think there's some differences. Um, but Hey, we've got, we've got a loyal audience too. Mm -hmm. Um, but I feel like ours is way more apt to criticize. Oh yeah. <laughs> Whereas I don't think you can criticize Barstool and still be part of the, the, the crew. No. Uh, so that's one of the most important. And let me tell you something, it'd be a lot easier if we had the Barstool thing. I'm not even talking about volume. I'm just talking about the, you yeah. know, overall, yeah, the, like the tone approved, toward uh, those of us involved in this is yeah. not necessarily, uh, positive, um, across the board. That's for certain. So with that said, the reason I include, include that disclaimer, Jackson, is this isn't because I'm like, oh, fuck yeah, I love Barstool. You know, it's got nothing to do with that. Yeah. I like the idea of Major League Baseball going, what does it really matter? Yeah. People are going to be able to see the game. Yeah, exactly. These guys are going to have fun with it. They have a following. You know, we'll, we'll still make it available, you know, if you want to hear whoever. Yeah. But there will be this option, kind of like what ESPN's doing with uh, the Mannings. Yeah. I will probably watch that. The first one, at least. I think it's brilliant. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. I think it's brilliant. This stuff where you need to be coloring inside the lines and you can't, I mean, the fact that Joe Buck now says fuck so comfortably, like 30 times on his podcast, yeah. or if he were to come in here and he said it a hundred times in here, I think it's so healthy. There was this expectation that, you know, like I, I would go to titty bars, you know, back in when I was in my 20s all the time when I was on KMOV. And it's like, oh, you got to be careful with that. And I'm like, why? Well, if, you know, they find out you're over there. I'm like, why? I'm a single guy in my 20s going in your to a free strip time. bar in my free time. Well, that's, you know, there's a morals clause. I'm going, what the fuck? Like, whose morals? Yeah. Whose morals? Yeah. Whose morals? For real. Like, I, the morals clause in general. I'm like, <laughs> sign a morals clause, sign your fucking death certificate because you're not going to win a litigation on that one no. because that's morals are all over the fucking place, depending yeah. on who's who. If it's spelled out, Hey, you cannot go to strip bar and I go different deal. hundred percent. But the but idea, morals. Yeah. That's nonsense, uh, man. That's uh, nonsense. so, but that, that's, that's kind of standard in, in broadcast contracts. Uh, so not mine, but with, with that all said, I think it's healthy because people know when they're having smoke blown up their ass way more so than even a decade ago. Mm-hmm. And it, to me, it's, you know, I don't, I want to get, I don't want to get into some of my visions for what I plan to do here with our next iteration, but you know, there's TMA was born out of a void. Mm -hmm. TMA was born or the morning grind. And now TMA was born out of me wanting to listen to sports talk radio and being like, well, what are we doing here? Like, it's like, you know, we're going to interview a beat writer. And then we're going to take a break and then we're going to interview like a college football writer. And then we're going to take a break and then we're I'm going, who, who is this for? Yeah. Who is, but people didn't know that there could be an alternative. And I'm not saying that I, you know, I revolutionized it at all. I just observed that other markets did what we do already. Yeah. And I was aware of it. And I was a Howard Stern fan. 
And then I happen to start working with Martin Kilcoin and Jim Hayes. I'm like, fuck, these guys want to run the same offense I want to run. Let's do our thing. Yep. I think there is currently a moment in time for broadcasting with regards to uh, telecasting sporting events that even though Portnoy, Dave Portnoy later came out and said, oh, that was MLB floating a trial balloon and it was, I don't think it's going to happen, this thing with Barstool calling their games. I think that should not be forgotten. And I think leagues such as MLB and the NHL in particular, I don't think the NFL needs to do it, but I think Major League Baseball and NHL could certainly use it and take it beyond that if you want. Colleges won't fuck with it because you got you know, yeah. non-paid athletes, but, uh, that it's a perfect way. Like if I knew, you know, even though I'm not a barstool guy, yeah. I have an appreciation for it, but it's not like, I'm like, Oh my God, you know, yeah. this, what I don't even know. I don't know how to describe and Also understanding that some of the people over there are extremely talented. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. Like, so like PFT commenter and big cat, big yeah. cat, if they were calling the game. Yeah. That'd be, I would, I'd, I'd, I'd be watching that for certain. Yep. And so what you've done there is you've taken something that most people, and I'm, I'm not even going to go like Marlins and Rays, like something extreme, even though the Rays are like the best and, <laughs> yeah. you know, they just, they're, they're considered like this yeah. thing on an island down there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I don't know who's kind of a middle of the pack in that used New York, like the Phillies and the Reds, yeah. two wild card teams that even with the Cardinals in the mix mathematically right now, I would never watch that. No. I would never watch that. Would have zero interest in it. But if you told me those guys were calling the game, I'd watch it. Yeah. I for sure. absolutely would watch it. Yeah. And so if you have something like that, and I know that I'm not alone when I say that. If anything, I'm probably on the lower end of the barstool thing. So there are plenty of people who are passionate about it, but like, this is the greatest thing ever. So if you can take something that most people are not even paying attention to and aren't going to watch and turn it into something. And all you got to do is like open up two microphones and now you've brought new people in younger people, more importantly. Yeah. That's a win, man. Yeah. That's a win. Yeah. I mean, what, what Barstool has done, you know, with hockey, for example, with spitting chicklets would be a perfect example of bringing people in for a passionate group of fans and or people who have played the game. And I'm not talking about at the NHL level, although clearly NHL people uh, alumni and current players are into it. That to me, I mean, that to me is the model. Yeah. That's the model. Yeah. This stuff with, we have to like, like Jim Nance, that's, that, that's not a real person, you know? Now he might, I don't know him at all. My understanding is just incredibly nice guy. Probably not going to be at the strip bar with me, you know, oh. but God bless him. Most people aren't gonna be at the strip bar with me. I'm not saying you got to be at the strip bar with me. Point being, we hold broadcast broad guys who are calling sports games to these weird standards, you know, and that you can't be critical. You know, don't make it personal. I understand that. But if a guy makes a bad play, whether it be Tom Brady or you be, you know, Tyrod Taylor, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's, a, it's a bad play. And the people at home can see that. Yeah. There was a call. I would. I doubt you were watching Oklahoma Tulane. I was switching back and forth between them and PSU. And I can't Wisconsin. remember what the quarterback's name for Tulane is. Not the one who everybody's talking about for Heisman, Spencer Rattler, because that was that was stunningly that was bad. Yeah, how bad was... he was throwing off his back foot. That was weird what was yeah. going on with him. Can't remember what the Tulane quarterback's name was. Either way, He's, ridiculously impressive performance. Throwing missiles, yeah. Oh, my God. He was just getting rocked, but he kept grinding. Yep. But at one point... And I don't know who the broadcaster was because it was kind of a random game. Yeah, 11 a.m. Right. Um, 
there was a, I mean, it was a real, it was really unfortunate if you're assuming you wanted to see Tulane win, that was just a blown call, a really blown pass interference call that then led to an Oklahoma touchdown, if I'm not mistaken. And if it had it not happened, I think it was third down and, and Tulane gets the ball back. Tulane was out playing Oklahoma. They just were. I yeah, know it sounds nuts 100%. and most people didn't watch the game, but I happened to watch it because yeah. I live bet the over, which by the way, didn't cover. <laughs> um, but I was watching, I was over at my parents' house and my mom was playing around with my son and me and my dad were sitting there bullshitting and watching the game. And the play-by-play guy who had no loyalty to Oklahoma or Tulane starts going nuts about this pass interference call. Not, not like screaming mad dog, Chris Russo stuff, but just going, what a blown call. What a shame. Yeah. What a shame that that happened. Cause here's a team, you know, dealing with what new Orleans is dealing with. And here they are traveling on a road game. That was supposed to be a home game against Oklahoma. The biggest thing that probably happened for Tulane football in forever and here they are competing in the fourth quarter and just a just a fucking terrible call and there's nothing that can be done about it. And I'm going, God, this is so refreshing. Yeah. And I got no, if anything, the fact that Oklahoma scored a touchdown was good for my interest because it was a touchdown and I had the over. But I'm like, this is good. But I think in an, it, I think if if that were Kirk Herbstreet and this were, what game did he have? Did he have Miami, Alabama or Clemson, Georgia? Either I, I assume yeah. he had to have one of those two. I think he had the latter. That I would imagine people going, what the hell was Kirk, Kirk Herbstreet anti-Oklahoma? You know, but because it was Tulane, little Tulane, nobody really gave a shit and yeah. how many people were watching it. But I'm like, I think that's good. I think that's healthy. For but sure. But I'm telling you that at least maybe until this moment in broadcasting history, that has not been accepted um, for the last X amount of years, 30 or 40 years. I don't know what it was like before that, but I just know that it wasn't, that, you know, that the personality thing wasn't accepted. And if, and if these leagues and if these regionals are going, holy shit, our numbers are declining. I'm not saying this is the solution and it's got to be a market by market thing. You know, sure. Cardinals are going to perform. Yeah. You know, they're, they're fine, call. but you know, the Rays or, you know, the Reds or whatever, or major league baseball game of the week with, with the barstool guys, or, you know, I don't know, comedians who are, you know, into major league baseball and can speak, you know, like John Hamm can, I mean, yeah. talk hockey. John Hamm yeah. is a Cardinal fan. John Hamm, you know, those types Jeff of Garland people. Jeff Garland is a huge Cubs, Cubs fan. fan. Right. Yeah. That's, and, and I bet Jeff Garland would be thrilled to be able to call a game. Yeah, you know, yeah. you can have your your main play-by-play but guy. Do another one. Who do they have? Yeah. John Shiambi doing their games, right? Who used to be on ESPN, Boog Shiambi. Yeah. Right, who I love, big uh -huh. fan of his. That, you know, and you can set them up. You know, or yeah. Vascursion with whomever. Yeah. You know, or or you just go the all barstool route and you just have it on a separate just a separate platform yeah, because the main path. one is still there. I think that's the move. Now I'm no this isn't like some entrepreneurial idea I can do anything about because I don't have the rights. But I'm telling you, when you sent that link and I read that story, I'm like, that is brilliant. Yeah. Now they're exactly. gonna get pushback. There will be backlash on social media. But fine. Yeah. Fuck it. You know, I don't think Sam Ponder can take this one down. You know, let's just, <laughs> let's, let's just, you know, run these things out there. Cause the reality, I mean, part of, part of acceptance is going, okay, I fucking don't like these people or I don't like what they represent or I don't like what they do, which is the case. We all like some things and we don't like other things. The wonderful producer Joe said it best, but so they're going to call a game. It doesn't mean major league baseball is like endorsing this or endorsing that. It, it, it you know, they're calling a baseball game, you know? Yeah, I mean, it, when major league baseball had an all female telecast, that didn't mean they were endorsing, you know, take your pick of whatever feminist issue. They're just like, this is a great thing that we have 
you know, a number of women sportscasters now, and we are in a position where women can call a game, sidelines, play-by-play, color comment, and it'll be a it'll be a professional broadcast. You know, um, so I don't know. I love that idea. I know that wasn't necessarily Brian's question, but I but, but I, it's a roundabout way of answering that people play it safe. People, you know, people would say Twitter isn't real. And you're right. Twitter isn't real. It's like, what, 5% of the population is responsible for 98% of the tweets or some yeah, ridiculous scale like number that. like that. But businesses and politicians and their advisors do pay attention to it way too much. And they will legislate their businesses by what is going to result in the least amount of backlash. Um, so that is why you wind up with this, you know, cardboard cutout play-by-play guy or cardboard cutout sports anchor, whatever it is. Yeah. We're going to play it safe. And I'm telling you, it doesn't have to be that way. And I actually think there is a business model. Somebody needs to do it, you know? Yeah. I don't think you can go get wacky guy to call local game who nobody knows. But you get but Bill Walton. You do, but you do like the game of the week and just see how it goes with, yeah. you know, PFT Commoner and Big Cat and see how it goes. And I bet you would see numbers pop for sure you know so that's where i'm coming from on it uh final question why does prod joe get so banty <laughs> i'm assuming his tendency to hold a grudge is somehow related to his bouts of anger <laughs> bouts of anger he seems like a cool guy and everyone aside from Iggy seems to love him um i joe that the answer is what you said actually the grudges if because to me joe is actually and this was one of the keys uh and i found this over the years with tma even though like almost everybody who has ever worked on the show and it's not even like loyalty. I don't even like the word loyalty. It's just, we understand we're in it together. Yeah. And if we have problems, we have the problems inside like a team, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like truly like a team. But the moment you got somebody running out to the newspaper or like airing dirty laundry or like, you know, and then also take into account like, you know, you want to get somebody to shit on me? Talk to my exes, you know? So you want to get somebody to shit on somebody? Talk to people who are disgruntled, yeah. you know? Consider your sources. But Joe, even we would, we would, I don't even have to butt heads, but he just gets so pissy like that I wouldn't get to a break. And I'd be like, this fucking guy back here is like throwing a fit that I'm late for a break. <laughs> and just like, this, the yeah. fuck? And at this point, Inside STL owns the programming, so it's not like we have to answer to anybody, you <laughs> yeah. know? You're, you're bitching to the person, the one person who could possibly care about it. And I'm obviously fine with it, but it just would be his thing. But I knew that was his thing and I knew he didn't mean anything by it. And the thing is, I don't know, I, loyalty isn't the right word. Cause I, I almost don't want loyalty because to me, loyalty is like, I'll support you no matter what. Mm-hmm. And I don't want that, but I do. And we have for the most part, some exceptions kept things in the room over 17 years, which has allowed the thing to be be able to be successful. Because if you have somebody run into social media or causing bullshit, it causes problems. And then if you don't feel comfortable with each other, then you can't give each other shit. And then that's really basically the whole fucking show. Yeah. So if you're on a, if you, if you have a roast, who are two comedians who are sideways? I don't even know. I'm looking for an Uh, example out of nowhere. I don't know much comedian beef. Yeah. But if you had that, yeah. And then that comedian goes up there and starts roasting the comedian they're sideways with, well, it's no longer yeah. the same thing. Yeah. So that's why it's important. And again, it's not loyal. I don't like loyalty. You know, like my dad was like, well, it's tough to find loyalty these days. And I'm like, yeah, I don't like that. I don't, because to me, I associate loyalty with like, 
I'll just march in order even if I disagree with the leader. And I don't uh, think that's right. No. I want people to dissent, but I want the dissent to not be like on a tweet or on a Facebook message. Yeah. I want it to be in a one-on-one conversation yeah. over the phone or face-to-face, you know, or amongst the group. That's why we all get together and I talk about, well, we got this, we got this, we got this, we got this. What do you guys think? You know? For sure. And uh, we did have not disagreement, but we had different rankings for the options, you know, yeah. and it's good. But then you got to hear, you know, Doug's reason for why he ranked, you know, this place number one. And, you know, maybe that meant something to you. Maybe it didn't. But it was good as opposed to me just having a one-on-one conversation with Doug and a one-on-one conversation with Iggy and a one-on-one conversation with you. So I think I want a, a credible dissenter. I want people to not just march in order. Yeah. But uh, Joe, Joe would tell me if he thinks something's wrong. You know, and I like that. Yeah. But he also gets that it is a team. You know, he played college sports. I mean, it wasn't like he played, you know, football at Georgia, but he played college soccer at Georgia State. He's been part of a team. So I think that's important. And I also think maybe the reason why I appreciate it more is because you do have like people going rogue and then like begging for likes on social media. Like I was let go. I only make this much and this person makes this much. It's like, hey, you know, that's not that's not their fault. No. You know, do something about it. Go out and bring in more advertising dollars. I assure you, you'll make more money. That's the game. So I am, Joe and Iggy is a Joe thing over Iggy posting on Facebook how he fucked him over on fantasy baseball. And while it seems moronic to everybody outside of Joe, that is Joe. And and so anytime you see him get banty, it's specific to Iggy. Yeah. You know, uh, or like the fantasy baseball thing where Doug and Charlie will bitch at him about trades, <laughs> <laughs> but they'll do it like, you know, behind the scenes and <laughs> it's a whole thing. Th- that gets him going because I feel like I think, I think, see, I think it probably brings back the Iggy memories of the, the fantasy yeah. baseball challenge. Yeah. So anyway, Joe's a great fucking guy. Iggy's a great fucking guy. Doug's a great fucking guy. Charlie's a great fucking guy. Uh, and I think anybody who knows the parties would actually across the board say that. And so, you know, anyway, that'll wrap it up. Uh, thank you as always, uh, for the questions, send more in no erotic stories, Jackson. That's, uh, I always really look forward to getting titillated on the podcast, but nothing (laughs) doing this week, uh, for action Jackson, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been the Tim McKernan show on the inside STL podcast network. Peloton, let's go this holiday with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.